0: Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Hope you're having a phenomenal week. Couldn't be busier, couldn't be better on this side. Colter Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got you the best Big Sky breakdown of the year because we got the best rivalry game in all of college football coming up on the horizon in Bozeman, Montana. ESPN College Game Day is coming to town. 121st rendition of the fiercest rivalry in the West. Montana playing for its playoff lives. They might get in if they lose this game, but if they win, they're definitely in. Grizz two in a row after a three-game losing streak. They are four and three in Big Sky Conference play, seven and three uh, overall. Montana State eerily similar situation to a year ago. They're seven and zero in Big Sky Conference play, nine and one overall, identical to the mark they took into last year's rivalry game. Bobcats gunning for their first Big Sky Conference championship. In a decade, last time they won one was in 2012, so it should be a hell of an afternoon at Bobcat Stadium in Bozeman. 121st rendition of the rivalry between these two fierce opponents. I will be joined on this Big Sky breakdown first by Brooks sports SkylineSportsMT.com. We talk all about just our feelings about the the cultural event and the cultural meaning that this game. Brings to our state and to us as Montanans. We also talk some college game day and we talk about the key elements of the matchup. Ty Gregorak and I, we talk about the full dynamic of the dichotomy of styles that these two teams play with and which one, or how important it is for which one to gain an upper hand. And then Andrew Houghton and I, we talk about the broad Big Sky picture, what this game means from a playoff perspective for both Montana and Montana State. We also do a little starting lineup draft. who, Which players would start where for who? Uh, the talent on each side. Rich and uh, pretty darn even as well, so that's a fun conversation too. Big Sky Breakdown, thanks to all of our great sponsors. Town Pump for keeping us fueled up. They'll get us all gassed up on our way over to Bozeman uh, this weekend, bringing the whole crew from Skyline. So thanks to Town Pump for keeping us on the road all season long. Thanks to Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth. Nick will have his financial tip of the week uh, later on this week on the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Thanks to Blackfoot Communications for their continuation uh, of their sponsorship of our entire podcast network and uh, of all the things we do at SkylineSportsMT.com. Visit BlackfootCommunications.com to let Blackfoot help you Connect to more. And thanks to JV Restaurant Supply. JV Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. You can visit them online at JVRestaurant.com. Also, thanks to our Fit During Football sponsors. The uh, Miracle in Missoula documentary is out, and uh, I actually got a lot of comments on my contributions to it. Very happy to be a part of it. And thanks to Dawson and Garrett and all the guys at the Montana State uh, Film Department for letting me be involved in it. And uh, also those cats of comments that uh, I just look way better now than I did uh, a year ago. And, you know, I think a part of that's just the good nutrition and the good fitness provided by Hype House, now uh, the Cycling Studio and Strength Studio here in Missoula, as well as uh, Hot House Yoga and Nutrition on Reserve and Elevate Nutrition uh, both those great uh, partner stores have kept me fueled up and kept the protein intake up. And uh, it feels good to feel good. So I appreciate the, uh, the, the kind words and the, the uh, comments. And uh, don't wait, man. Go get your fitness locked in. I tell you, it'll make you a way more productive and happy person. It really will. And uh, it, it really is like a drug. You become addicted to it, and it's uh, it's a great thing, great thing. So appreciate our Fit During football sponsors as well. SkylineSportsMT.com we got a series of matchup stories right now rolling on throughout the website so uh go check those out and uh, always keep it tuned Big Sky Breakdown SkylineSportsMT.com all the above here's Brooks nuanez on this week's Big Sky Breakdown. We well, just heard a couple of our thoughts uh from the end of our nuanez Now segment but now you got a full dose of the nuanez brothers here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Such a crazy fun time of year. I think that a lot of the parts, everybody always asks me, Coulter, is this your favorite year of the uh, week of the year? And actually, at this point, in certain ways, it's one of my least favorite weeks of the year because there's there's so much vitriol. People have a really hard time understanding that we really are in this to be the archivers of history, the, the historians and the objective observers who give you the analysis and hold the people accountable and uh, hold up the high standard that we think belongs to Montana and Montana State football. And we really don't care what happens when Montana and Montana State play on the gridiron. It'll happen for the 121st time. Everybody always asks us what we root for. I root for the result of the game being a great story. And guess what? The result of this game, no matter what happens, is a great story. If the Grizz go into Bozeman and win to get into the playoffs, great story. It's also... A very compelling story because that will be two losses in a row for Brent Vegan, who's never lost to any other Big Sky team since he took over at Montana State. On the flip side, if the Cats can get college game day to come to Bozeman and then avenge last year's loss and go undefeated to Big Sky Conference play and win their first Big Sky Conference championship in 10 years, just when you thought the year of the Bobcats couldn't be any better after what they had in 2022, it's still 2022. They could have another exclamation point on what I think is the greatest year, at least in the Skyline Sports eight-year history of being around, and likely the the best year in the totality of a athletic department uh, in my 16 years covering the Big Sky Conference. So no matter what happens in this game, it's a good story, and that's the only thing that we root for. I don't like all the vitriol, all the, the – uh, the poking and prodding and meanness and the over uh, emotional attachment to it. I wish we could just celebrate all the young men that play in this game regardless uh, of the result because it is going to be an impassioned and unbelievable display of not just athleticism but also of passion and dedication and toughness and togetherness and all those sorts of things. And that's what we try to appreciate. All that said, the part the when people ask me if it's my most fun week of the year, the part that's the most fun is that everybody will pick up the phone. Anybody you want to call, or you anybody you want to interview, anybody you want to talk about this game with, they're down. And so we're going to try to bring you as many of those subjects as we possibly can. As we sit here record this on a Tuesday, just got off the phone with Joey Thomas, all-American corner at Montana State, played in the NFL, who's now a, de- a defensive coach at the University of Texas. He was on that 2002 team that snapped the streak for the Cats. We're gonna, I'm going to sit in with my guy, Brock Coyle, former University of Montana linebacker. He'll be sitting with me in Bozeman as we broadcast from the Universal Athletic Service there on Friday afternoon. Nuwan is now uh, on ESPN Radio. Going to catch up with Colt Anderson sometime this week as well, former Grizz legend, and they got a whole bunch of other guests planned. So that's the best part is, is the reunions, the memories, you know, the conversations, and uh, just hearing everybody's perspectives on it. What what do you think? What's your favorite parts? Brooks Nwana is here on the Big C Breakdown. Pros and cons of this week from our seat.
1: <clears throat> There's <clears throat> more cons than I wish there was. That I mean, again, it's just a challenging week just because of the all the directions you get pulled in and I've always wondered, Colt, are people really you mentioned it there on the top and people really struggle to understand how you could like not have a rooting interest in something. Or, like, just be unbiased. Like, they're like, well, that just isn't true. Like, you're just not telling me. And it's like, no, it it really is true. Like, during the games, an Eastern versus Montana game or whatever, any game you can imagine, there's moments where I'm like, huh, I hope that they score here. They being whoever the hell has the ball. And then if someone gets a big stat, sack, strip, fumble, pick six, like, oh, that's great too. That was awesome. But, like, yes, there's moments where I'm like, I hope that they get a stop so that this game is complete. Or I hope that they drive down and score for the win. Like, yes, there are moments when. The back-and-forth nature of the game is, has mattered. Montana State played Weber earlier this year, and Weber got the ball with like three minutes left, and I was like, dang, this would be kind of crazy if Weber went and did this. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I wasn't rooting against the Cats. I just thought that Weber had a pretty cool chance to make a pretty statement win there. In the moment, I am able to watch a game and then pivot and make a different opinion than I may have had at a different point in the game and, and pivot, and I think that that's okay. Um, so, yeah, we both do that. I, I'm the same in, in, in like sports. Pro pro sports, the NFL. I kind of feel like that all the time. Like, I'll have betting interest in team, and the other team, the Cowboys this weekend, lost to the Packers. I bet on the Cowboys. I thought the Packers had a great win, and I enjoyed watching it. Like, that's just kind of how I roll. So, um, the hard parts are getting pulled in a lot of directions, a lot of questions people, you know, ask at nauseum. Who's going to win the game? All that. Um, I like the kids from Montana and learning those stories and remembering those stories and hearing those stories. I love all that. I like the kids that have never played in the game. I like hearing that reaction and coaching as well. Um, so for me, the pageantry of the whole thing that is college football is accentuated this week, and and that's going to be even more so with college game day being in town. I am by no means, um, you know, a grumpy Gus over here, but I've told a lot of people to their chagrin that this game doesn't need college game day. It's it's a much it's so much bigger than that you don't need people who know nothing about it to come and wax poetically about a place that they've never been and a game. They've never heard of and relay stories that they were told a day ago. That being said, it is great exposure and it's a super fun deal and it's going to be exciting. And you know, it's a, it's the big time. It's a really cool opportunity for both schools. Um, so in that, in that sense, I, I certainly think it's, um, you know, not only a good opportunity, but I think that it's, it's one that we should all cherish and relish in, um, Coulter, I have a question for you. How do you think Grizz fans are going to react when Lee Corso stands up with the Bobcat head on?
0: <laughs> oh, man. That's the, also the perspective I wish that people could take is, you know, there's been a lot of uh, stuff on social media uh, from upset people on the Montana side of things about the Grizz not getting college game day last year and the Cats getting college game day this year. And my perspective is, If you want to argue that Bozeman isn't Montana, uh, I would counter that by arguing that neither is Missoula, and Missoula actually created this thing before Bozeman did. It's like the bumper sticker that's been going around Missoula for twenty years. Missoula, the nicest town, fifteen minute drive away from Montana in the world, and uh, you know that. I I just, I guess what I'm getting at is that you can't define a state with the geography, the geographic vastness of Montana, by one town. I think Montana is defined by Montanan, and I think that is the thing that we need to remember. I think a lot of us Montanans are resentful about the way that the state is rapidly changing and getting taken over by a lot of out-of-state money, a lot of out-of-state interests. But I think that's something that we can all share in rather than uh, you know fight over I mean, a great many of our biggest supporters that are on the Bobcat side of things are Bozeman people, like people that are multiple generations in Bozeman, like our friends at j and V Restaurant Supply who sponsor this podcast. Like, that's a family-run business that's been in Bozeman forever and ever. You know, like the Laird brothers, are they're Bozeman guys. They were in Bozeman way before, you know, Yellowstone was in Bozeman and the Armory Hotel was in Bozeman and all these different things. And it's the same thing in Missoula. Like, we know so many people that are here in Missoula that – are not, you know, tech aficionado consultants or real estate moguls. They're railroad guys. They worked at the mill, you know? That's in its essence, that's what Montana is is the the people, but more than anything, it's the independent way of thinking. I think that what sets the culture of Montana apart, at least what it ha- what has, and I really hope that this is the number one thing I hope that maintains is that In Montana, you can do whatever you want, and your neighbor can do whatever he wants, and as long as you both understand that you're doing whatever you want, you can still get along swimmingly. That's what Montana's always been about, is the fierce libertarian way of thinking where I'm going to do me, you're going to do you, and we're always going to help each other out, and we're not going to hate each other for not believing the exact same things. That's what I want to get back, uh, and that's what I hope maintains. All that said though, it, it's fascinating that uh College Game Day is coming to Bozeman because I do think there's an element of College Game Day choosing Bozeman because it is the most marketable version of Montana to people that have never been to Montana. Most people in Montana would argue that that's a fallacy that, you know, the the picture perfect postcard that is Bozeman isn't what Montana's all about, but I would just say let's just enjoy the fact that uh for once in a, in a great while, we get a, a national spotlight on us as Montanans. That's what I hope people will take this as, is an opportunity to show the hospitality and the character of the people that live here.
1: It's really well said, Coulter. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. We haven't talked about football yet, and that's okay because this is bigger than that. Saying that Missoula and Bozeman specifically aren't Montana is, is one of the most... Ignorant, disrespectful things I've heard in my entire life. I lived in Bozeman the last ten years. I've lived in Missoula for twenty years. Um, and both those places, what is Montana about? It's about, it's about the outdoors. It's about hunting and fishing. And and Bozeman's not that. It's like I, I, the, the people that I know that live the most Montana lifestyle, if that's what Montana is, live in Bozeman like times a hundred. Everyone I know in Bozeman hunts. Everyone I know in Bozeman fishes. Everyone I know in Bozeman rides a mountain bike. Everyone I know in Bozeman skis. Everyone I know in Bozeman says hi to their neighbor. Um, and that's the same in Missoula. I mean, your partner grew up with, with cows at her house. That's right. Our dad shot elk our whole life. I mean, we live in Missoula. He gets it on an airplane and flies internationally to do work. That's okay. All of that still makes you a Montanan. Um, so that is really challenging. The, the, the thing that I would definitely uh, you know i would put a challenge out to anyone that says that montana is changing and that for the worse, and that all this out-of-state influence and all that money and all that stuff um is that you stick to what, who you are as a montanan and who you are is that you help your neighbor and you say hello and that only works if you do it because if 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 they don't do it then no one does it but for you to both do it you have to do it um and to be welcoming, you know, we read that t- a Twitter thread that you sent me. Colter, that was really poignant and smart and had a lot of good points about Missoula and Bozeman and the Montana thing. And in there, he said, these people that were criticizing moved here. Seems like a pretty freaking good idea. Right. And once upon a time we all did too, in some fashion, former fashion. So, um, it's really hard to, to, to finish this, at least from my perspective is that it's very hard for people to understand how much we care about Montana and Montana state and how much we both Want them to be successful in every program they have, and when they play each other, somehow, some way, it doesn't define uh, what happened before and what happens after. It's a moment, and that's so beautiful. Um, Sure, we can talk about the history of it all—73 wins for the Grizz. What uh, you know—that that's all. Stats are for losers. Uh, It's about a game, and there's going to be a game on Saturday. And damn well, I guarantee you, it's freaking awesome.
0: And we love it because of the. anniversary of the moment we love it because of the event that it is at skyline sports our entire year revolves around this crescendo like this climax it's like the this is the ultimate reset and a lot could happen after this game and we could be covering football for another month after this game goes down but it is this, this pivotal and pinnacle moment uh, within the scope of a calendar year each year. And so I hope that, you know, one thing that I missed so much during the, uh, the pandemic times was the actual interaction with, with the coaches and the players. And uh, a lot of times there's coach speak and there's speaking in cliches. And a lot of times, those are very educational moments. And the the group of sixth year seniors, for example, at Montana State, they echo a lot of the they they echo two sentiments that they have learned from both Jeff Choate and Brent Vegan frequently, and that is, and we heard this throughout the entire season from the from the older cat guys. First of all. There's no way to, to enjoy anything unless you're just exactly where your 10 toes are on the ground. you got to just be where your 10 toes are at. You can't think about what's happened or what will happen. You just have to think about what's happening. It's a great perspective. And I also think that there's the other saying that Jeff Choate instilled in all his guys, and that is, in the short term, you get what you get. In the long term, you get what you deserve. And I think that's the thing that I always try to reemphasize on Nuanas Now, my daily radio show, as well as on this Big Sky Breakdown podcast. The things that you learn from sports, the most important things you learn from sports, have nothing to do with success or glory or winning. More importantly, they have to do with, a lot of times, losing. I think the number one lesson you learn from sports is that the fallacy that if you work as hard as you possibly can, you'll get whatever you get, get, you can achieve whatever you want, it's not true. But that's the whole thing that sports teaches you, is you can work as hard as you possibly can and not get everything you ever wanted. In fact, you can fall short. But that's the whole point. Because if you tried as hard as you possibly could, that's as hard as you could try. And the result is secondary to that. And so that's the the perspective that I always take with this game. You know, there's a, there's all sorts of different scenarios that could play out on Saturday. Uh, but I guarantee you that lacking emotion and lacking desire and lacking a uh, uh, perspective of what this game is all about that's not going to be a factor in this game we just got to give these guys credit for being exactly where they're at with their 10 toes on the ground and uh, at the end of the day you, you get what you deserve and we'll see we'll see who deserves it the most but uh, it's going to be fascinating big sky breakdown skyline sports mt.com anything to add about this esoteric part of the conversation before uh, we start talking about some matchups brooks and is here on the big sky breakdown
1: I don't, Colter. If we're going to do uh, – we're going to, you know, dump the notebook of sayings. I'll say my favorite from Mick Delaney. He used to say it all the time. Is, big-time players make big-time plays. Yeah. Let's go.
0: Should be uh, – should be really fun. Okay, so um, a lot of times in this game when it comes to the X's and O's, the matchup on the field, you have uh, different elements of strength, strength, weakness, weakness. This seems to be – more cut and dry than most of the matchups in the past, because the Cats have have a pretty defined formula for how they've won games, and the Grizz have a pretty defined formula how they've won games. The Cats want to outrush you and win the takeaway battle, pretty simple. The Grizz want to carry the they want to seize the momentum, carry the momentum, and stomp you out, basically. Uh, and I don't know how those two collide in terms of who gets the upper hand what do you think of the uh, just the overall matchup because it does seem like you know like the the, the cat's defense has been okay the grizz offense has been okay the cat or the cat offense been great run the ball with authority the grizz defense great at stopping the run so it seems like there's some uh, systematic clashings within this what do you broadly think of this matchup
1: i think something's got to give obviously um, I think Montana State's offense is going to have success. I think the Grizz defense is going to have success at times. Obviously, that's the premier matchup in this game. But I think the other side will probably be more important. I think the if the Cat defense can hold up at all against a Grizz offense that's been average, but is surging. They've played so well the last two weeks, right, Colter? I mean, you know, inferior opponents, but Lucas Johnson's played really well. We're a little bit unsure of his health right now. Nick Osmo's played very well. Um, Again, running back depth for Montana is an issue, so we'll see how that all plays out. But I I do think that, you know, the premier matchup of of the Cat offense versus the Grizz defense is the real deal, and I, I think that they'll they'll trade blows, and I see that being kind of a heavyweight showdown. I I, I don't know how, you know, the Cats are going to be able to run the football at times. Like they are going to ch- chunk up yards, are they going to run for seven and a half a, a, a carry? Probably not, but it ain't going to be one point five like the Grizz hold everyone to. That's just not going to happen either. So. Different styles. Uh, you know, the Cats are so multiple in their run game that I think that that'll be challenging for you know such a tremendous Grizz defense. But the Grizz defense have just been able to get after the quarterback, but that's not really been Montana State's calling card as far as they're not throwing the ball um, at an extremely high usage uh, rate. And if they do, they're kind of getting it out quick. Even if it's down the sideline, you know, they're kind of – You know me, the classic Chuck and Duck, baby. Um, They're kind of they're not running like you know three read progressions from sideline to sideline. So the Grizz might have a little bit more uh, trouble getting home um, in passing situations. So all that being said, they're both pretty solid in the kicking units as far as the actual kickers go. Um, You know. The cats can punt it and they can kick field goals inside 30 yards. The Grizz can punt it and kick field goals inside 30 yards. Ain't no one hitting 55 yarders. You know, there's not like some crazy specialist battle, but they can both flip the field relatively effectively. Sure, if the punt returner gets the ball in their hands, they've both they've at times struggled to to get them down, especially at Montana State. But as far as getting the ball in the air and putting it in the spot you kind of want to put it in, uh, both teams are going to be able to flip the field if needed um, in the punt game. So, I mean. It's is it's more even than I think it's been in quite a long time, Coulter. as far as the strengths and weaknesses go.
0: Big Sad Breakdown presented in part by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Because the Cats do start and end with their offensive run game, they are a lot better when they get out to a good start. But they also uh, have proven that they can play from behind. I mean, they – they were down 24-9 to were State, and they still ran the ball straight down their throats, ran for 375 yards. Tommy Moulai had 273 yards on the ground. The Grizz have had a really hard time when they don't get out to a good start. It seems like the formula for the Grizz is up, I wasn't going to say 14 nothing, but 13 nothing because they seem to figure out a way to screw up the extra point one of the first two times. But they've had a 13 nothing lead in, like, I think six of their seven wins. And when they do that, okay, you're rolling because that's how they play. They're going to roll you. So what do you think of that element? Just uh, do the Grizz have to have a good start in this game? Is that the only way they're going to be able to seize the momentum? I guess, what do you think of just the element of the momentum going back and forth? Because the Cats are so good at, when the momentum doesn't go their way, being calm and getting it back. I don't know if you can have the calm way that the Cats operate and sort of mitigate and navigate the storm against the Grizz because the storm just becomes a torrential downpour if they get you on your heels.
1: Yeah, but Montana State is going to be able to run the football at some point. So, like, the momentum—if it can't be seized by Montana State, it can be thwarted at the very least. Your question to kind of lead it was: Do I think Montana needs a quick start to take, you know, to to get momentum and to keep momentum, and that's going to kind of be their key to victory? I would say yes. I would say that that's probably one of the most important things that they could do in this game. Is get up, um, be ahead in the first quarter, in the first quarter somewhere in the middle of the second quarter, so, you know, be ahead um, before that halftime mark and be able to just kind of pour it on with their formula. Um, you know, Weber State's defense is good, man, and the, like you said, the Cats ran right down their throat. I mean, Weber State held Montana to like thirty yards rushing, right, 35, 39, something like that. I mean, Montana State went for two, three seventy-five. You know, it's ten times more rushing yards against one of the best defenses in the league. So again, Montana State has that advantage. It's probably going to be splash plays in this game too, right? You can have all the momentum in the world and and someone gets an interception, someone forces a fumble, someone drops a punt uh you know there could be a lot of things there that that turn it as well. but I do think it's important for the Grizz. To start fast, I do think it's important for um, them to see some momentum because Montana State, at some point, no matter when it is in the game, is going to have a, a run and have some momentum uh, that goes their way.
0: The other uh, key storylines in this game, got a couple quarterbacks making their first ever Cat Grizz starts. Tom alot is uh, an established veteran now. Uh, he's got both double-digit starts now uh, under his belt. As the Bobcat quarterback, he's only lost one of those starts, and he didn't even get to play after the first quarter of that one loss uh, as the starter. I guess he was the starter technically against Oregon State too, so two losses as the starting quarterback, but only one in which he finished the game because he also got knocked out of the national championship. He played this this rivalry game last year in Missoula, probably played 20, 25 snaps in this game, but uh, not as the starting quarterback, but that was sort of on the eve of him becoming the starter. Lucas Johnson never played in, in this rivalry game. Is that a factor? And uh, what do you think of the quarterback dichotomy in this game?
1: They're both really good, man. Lucas Johnson has been playing at a very high level, and um, you can't take that away from him. When he's on, man, he's real good. I've talked on this podcast, man. He has the ability to put a, a t- touch on the ball. You know, he can zip it. He can put touch on it. He has. He's. He's very accurate, even with you know, different arm angles and unstable platforms. I mean, he can really move in the pocket and get out of the pocket and really make some stuff happen on the perimeter. Um, so he's a he's a challenge man I think that he obviously goes no matter what his injury status is because they need him I don't think they can win without him um, he's a very their offense at times has looked good and at times has looked great with Lucas Johnson without him it is abysmal it's terrible so Lucas Johnson, a huge factor for the Grizz I think it's probably the biggest key because on defense there's so they have so much stability even with Pat O'Connell um, they have so many playmakers on defense that that's kind of the, the, the given. That's consistent. On offense, it's where they've been so variable, and I think Lucas Johnson is kind of the linchpin that holds that all together for the Montana State side. I think Tommy Malott is probably the best player in this game, and I think that that matters a lot. I think that he is the most dynamic player. I think he's probably, from a leadership perspective, the person that is the most settled into what his role is among the team, as well as his role kind of in the league and and on a field. And I, I think that Tommy Malott has a tremendous awareness of not only his athletic ability, but you know, some of his mental abilities. I think that Tom lot, of course, is going to be a huge piece of this game um, as far as Montana State's ability to win this thing. But when you're the best player on the field, that doesn't always mean that, that you're the most impactful player in a game like this. But I think that if there's ever been a chance for the best player on the field to be the most impactful, I think that it's a lot in this year.
0: Millat can navigate the scope of a game and not play well and then still figure out a way to get it right and then play well at the end. And I think that is what makes him such a brilliant player is that he can just, quite frankly, suck for a while. But then when once he, he's such an analytical guy, he's trying to figure it all out, trying to figure it all out. I mean, has he made a good throw in the, on the first two offensive series of this season? Like every single game we're like, oh man, Tommy's off looking bad. But then then he like, dials in and you know the computer starts working and then boom, he'll just hit a couple. And sometimes it takes him a series or two. Sometimes it takes him, you know, sometimes like against Northern Arizona, they were just straight out the gates rolling and then NAU switched it up and started doing some different coverages and then it wasn't rolling at all for a couple quarters, but then he comes out and figures out a way to win it at the end. His patience, his ability to diagnose, his ability then once it does click to roll one of his best attributes as a quarterback it's what makes him a a truly transcendent player uh, at that position that said though i don't know if how many mistakes you're allowed to make in this game i don't know i guess what i'm saying is feeling your way out against the grizz is a really bad idea because all of a sudden then you might just get straight punched in the face and it's 21 to nothing and that's exactly what montana wants so how does that element of this what do you think of that element of this
1: i think that you have to mitigate it i i I do think that you can't come into this game and, and, and hope that you can test the waters. I think that you, you, you do what you do, I think, more than ever. You double down on what you're good at, and I think that both teams will do that. Um, we'll see the running back health. You know, you got to assume that maybe you guy got, like, Lane Sumner plays for Montana State. I mentioned earlier, you know, in a different segment, There, but I thought this was one of the least star-driven categories in games in a while. And so much of that is just the Montana State running game. It's Tommy Mallott, who's the star at the quarterback, but Montana State has had a star running back in this game every year in my whole life, and they don't—they don't right now, and that's really—that's either to their detriment or maybe to, to you know, I think that, that could also be a positive thing because you just roll a bunch of guys and try to keep fresh, and no one has too much pressure because they ain't the guy, and I think that's an interesting aspect of it. I
0: mean, I said this earlier. I can't remember what platform because I've already recorded so much stuff this week. But is it possible that Isaiah Fonse being out actually helped the Bobcat run game because it made it so they didn't they weren't so centrally focused on one guy and they can just be so diverse with so many different
1: players? I think it's an interesting point. Um, I mean, they're giving Derek Snell the tight end carries. They're giving Marquis Johnson carries. I mean, he's got 250 yards rushing. I mean, like, he's a receiver, you know. It's like, I love it all. But They put a lot of stuff on film. I think it's all really interesting, but, um, I, you know. Isaiah Fonseca, I think, is the best running back in the Big Sky Conference. I thought he was the best running back in the country. Um, To say that you don't have him and you're better is probably false, but I understand the sentiment.
0: Other parts of this matchup that are fascinating, obviously, you know, the cat run game and how much they can stretch the perimeter and how much they can get the ball to so many different guys. They have so many different change of pace backs. We don't know what the status of Lane Sumner is, but I think he's probably questionable in this game. We don't know what the status of Elijah Elliott is, but I think he's probably probable in this game. I mean, don't look now, but Garrett Coon is. I mean. Coons had multiple great games. He had 100 yards last week, and I know it's against Cal Poly, but he, I mean, he is certainly a more than functional running back. I don't know how that goes against the Grizz defense, but he's certainly a functional running back. And then you have time a lot, and maybe Sean Chambers back in the fold as well. So the Cats have so many weapons they can bring at you in the run game. The biggest advantage they have in the run game, though, is, their, is the diversity, the ball skills of the guys uh, taking the snap, and their speed. They're so athletic, and they can just stretch you on the perimeter the offensive lineman doesn't have to blow you off the ball if he can just beat you to the spot, turn you, and then get you upfield. That's what they do so well. That's what guys like Justice Perkins, JT Reed, Cole Sain, their interior guys are just so good at beating you to a spot and then pushing you back the other way, boom, running back cuts back six, seven yards per carry. I was thinking about how my, my yards per carry, like what is good uh in in uh like when you're evaluating what's a great yards per carry clip. It's but my brain is broken because we've covered the cats for the last six or seven years. Like they average like seven yards per carry, and you're thinking, well. And then you see other teams like getting four point nine yards per carry, five point one yards per carry. You're like, well, that's not a very good run game. And you're like, well, actually, that's great. We've discovered the biggest gash run games, but seriously, consistently in the history of the big sky, and they've done it so many different ways. That's completely. Uh, uh, I digress, though. That's a tangent. The Cats' biggest advantage running the ball is their ability to stretch the perimeter and use their speed. The Grizz' biggest ability defensively is the ferocity that they play with, how much they run to the football, and how fast they are on defense, especially in their front seven. Patrick O'Connell, probably questionable in this game. Uh, He's a huge factor because he's the guy that sets the edge. How do the Cats find an advantage in the run game, though,
1: because the Grizz' defense is so fast? I don't know if you'll ever have an advantage. It's kind of man on man, mano a mano. It's, it's go get to a you know go get to a spot and beat somebody. I don't I don't know if there's really an advantage other than, you know, man on man. So I, I, that's not the answer that everyone's looking for. But I, I I do think that that's probably true. I mean, the Grizz defense is electric, man. It is just, it is so good. And what the where they're vulnerable in the middle of the field on you know. When they when they get manned up on people and crossing routes and we we talk about attacking safeties who are some of the best safeties in the league but it's it's not the safety's ability it's the scheme and where they get put in that can be make them vulnerable the cats don't really attack that part of the field so it's really strength on strength across the board here I know that that we are now hitting on points we've we've already touched on but it really is um, it's two of the best units in the entire country they're gonna have a massive showdown.
0: How about the other side of the ball, then? Uh, Grizz' offense has been good when Lucas Johnson's in, terrible when he's not in, and uh, but they've still, even with Lucas Johnson at the helm, left something to be desired. Um, they seem like they found their guy in Nick Osmo. I do think that his emergence has come partially by necessity, partially by his uh, increased ability, and partially because I think that they've fixed a couple little things in their run game. I think that one of the most underrated moves the Grizz have made is benching Liam Brown and putting Journey Grimsrud in the game I was watching Grimsrud a lot during Eastern because what the hell else do you watch besides the right guard when it's 42 to 0 at halftime but when I digress Uh, Grimsrud's a good player and uh, he's particularly good in the zone blocking stuff I don't know how he can handle like a full game plan but when it comes to just you know getting with the right tackle or getting with the center and pairing with them and and then getting to the next level he's good at that he's athletic strong uh, but also Osmo has really emerged I think He's an inside zone style running back, and so that helps because I think that he's gotten hot with more carries. I think he's gotten into a rhythm, which I think is important. And that could be big for the Grizz offense. The Cat defense, uh, their front seven's been better than we expected them to be given all the things that they lost. Their secondary's been nowhere near as good as we thought they were going to be despite the fact that they were turning so many things. The Grizz have talent at wide receiver. They've had a hard time. I should say a hard time. They've had a lackluster time utilizing that talent to what we think that they should be able to do. Uh, so what do you think of the matchup when the Grizz have the football?
1: Nick Osmo's always had ability. You know, he was good as a freshman. He's always had tremendous size. When you stand next to him, it's like, damn, this guy's big as shit. Like he's real big. Um and he runs like it. He doesn't he, he runs, you know, behind his pads and he and he, he can bring the hat. I mean, In multiple ways. He's got a little speed. He's got a little juice. I think he's a good player. I've always thought he was. So the fact that it's taken him a while. He was pretty banged up, man. If you have like a season-ending true high ankle sprain, which is what I kind of diagnosed. I haven't got that confirmation, so please... Uh, give me a little grace if that is is a little bit incorrect, but I mean it's a real deal injury when, you, when you're trying to plant and, and and push off that. I mean it's I've had one man I, I had a dislocated ankle tib fib, uh, real I mean it's terrible. It's been an injury that's affected me my entire life, um, so I really understand kind of what he got went through in, in a year and a half and with the COVID year kind of been there you know all of two years. So the fact he's back is is really important for Montana. I think it's giving them the boost that they need. Um, throw it to the tight end. You know the name of this podcast. Cole Grossman had four for 75 last week at a, at a big game. Um, I think he's a mismatch, especially for Montana State, when they run light boxes with linebackers. You know they run that 4-2-5 um, where Ty Okada's kind of a linchpin. And Ty Okada at that nickel's big big safety has not played um, at the high level that he has played at the last two years. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's still a tremendous leader. They're an emotional leader by a, by a mile um, and a really good player. But he has not played at the, at the same level that he has in years past. Their safeties uh, for Montana State have, you know, they have been in and out and and mediocre at best. You know, I think that Jeffrey Manning has not played his best football um, at, when he was playing at such a high level next to some really, you know, legendary good players. Um, I, I think the same for transferring Kendrick Bailey. Um, very similar kind of trajectory where, you know, at times playing okay but getting burnt, uh, not making open field tackles. And then everyone was thought the savior of Rylan Ork coming back was going to fix a lot of the Montana State, Issues on defense, and it, and it definitely has not. Um, I think it could, but it takes time to settle in and 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 you know get get your sea legs under you in real deal big boy football. So, uh, you know, Montana State's corners can play a little bit, but you know they struggle in the secondary. I, I don't think that that's um, a surprise to anyone. I don't I don't think that they're elite by any means. Uh, oh yeah, scheme is it's, it's it's a challenging scheme for guys when you when when everything's not rolling up front. You have a, you have a little bit more uh, responsibility in the back end there, and um, you know I think Montana State has some pretty darn good linebackers in Callahan O'Reilly uh, leading that group, who I think is, is an awesome player. You know I really like him. I think he's had such a good career. He has a nose for the football culture. He's had more interceptions than he should. I'll all say it like that. You know that guy has gotten some picks. Um, when that's not necessarily like his athletic style, but uh, but those linebackers, you know, if you aren't getting home up off the edge like they have for years on years, um, those linebackers are put into more of a you know a man covered situation or even in zone. They're they're passing off guys, and that's not really their skill set. Um, any of any of that group, really, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I do think scheme wise, it, it's a funny scheme for some of the players they have. Um, Brody Greeby being out is challenging for Montana State on the edge even though Kenneth Iden played very well last weekend and has developed. Uh, so I think Montana has a couple advantages there. As you mentioned, they have good receivers, man. Mitch Roberts is, is a good player. There's just no way around that. Like he's just a good, solid player. Uh, Malik Flowers struggled at times. Ryan Simpson, the Bozeman kid uh, getting to go play at home. And uh, that that'll be pretty cool for him. And, He's he's had some some great development. Keelan White has played well as of late. Um, so Montana has some has some guys on the edge. That I think that they could definitely take advantage of. Um, I think it's more of a a, a well rounded even matchup than, than a lot of people would think. Um, you know, I think that Montana State is going to be able to stop the run relatively effectively. I think Sebastian Valdez in the middle um, is a tremendous player, and um, you pair him with Callahan O'Reilly, like I mentioned, and you know that's a that's a formidable group. So you know, I think I think it's a little bit more even than it is maybe on the other side. Where When Montana State's on offense, there's going to be explosive plays, but the Grizz defense is going to get after it. On this side, I think it's a little bit more even. I think it'll be a little bit more tempered, a little bit more like uh, push-and-pull football.
0: Big Set Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications, helping you connect to more. They are so involved in all the things we do, and I couldn't say thanks enough uh, to Blackfoot for their continued support throughout the year and throughout this football season. Visit blackfoot.com to find out what Blackfoot can do for you. Uh, Last thing here, Brooks. How about the coaching matchup? Bobby Houck, this is his uh, 11th rivalry game. He talked effusively on Monday about how much he loves playing in Bozeman, how much this game means to him. It's a huge game for Brent Vegan because Brent Vegan is 14-0 and against the Big Sky Conference and 0-1 against the Grizzlies. And I think last year, I think uh, maybe a little bit of a, a baptism by fire. They didn't really know what they were getting into coming to Missoula. Now they got the game at home. They got College Game Day there. Uh, but it's the exact same scenario they're nine and one they're top three in the country they're seven and oh in big sky conference play they win they get the big sky title they lose now they got to figure out a way to lick their runes and and dust it back off uh to get in the when once the playoffs begin so what do, what do we think of the uh the sidelines the coaching matchups in this game
1: i mean i think that bobby halk uh was talking a lot of shit on Monday about the whole thing. You know, he talked extensively about how much he likes uh, Brent Vegan, how much he respects him, how much he thinks of him. That's not how he would talk about Jeff Cho ever. Um, and he was saying it, I think, in a lot of ways of like, I like this guy so much because he lets me beat him. Um, I thought it was pretty tongue-in-cheek. I thought it was uh, classic Bobby. Um, so I do think that Brent Vegan has plenty of pressure on it. that we talked about, and this is funny, I always, we, I always get a chuckle out of this, uh, we talked about when brent vegan was hired and the team and the roster he had and stuff we we're like they might go undefeated and go to the national championship literally like five years in a row and lose the grizz five straight times <laughs> because of just the style of guy he is it's just a little bit different like he don't get me wrong and bobby again tongue-in-cheek was like they play tough and that's all stemming from brent vegan who's such a tough guy and i think he was talking shit because um, vegan is is very stern and very he's like you know ap history teacher in high school you know, like he's, he's going to crack the whip. You got to do your assignments. He's a tough grader, all that stuff. But I don't, I mean, of course he's a big guy, so it's, it's hard to like metaphorically think through, but like he's not really like a back alley brawler. And I don't think Bobby Hauke is by any means either, but he sure likes to, you know, pose his teams as such. Brent vegan, they are plenty tough and they get after it, man. They hit hard, all that stuff, but they kind of beat you with a lot of scheme too, oh, sure. where Montana beats you with a lot of just toughness. Um, so there are different styles, and I do think in this game that one has a slight advantage in the experience and the toughness factor because there is an element of, you know, you kind of drop the gloves and you kind of get a little bit dirty with it. It's a little bit back alley. Not all the time, not in the beginning of the game, not the end. It's throughout the game. There's little pockets of it where it gets kind of like a street fight, um, but it is an element that you have to face, and there is a, a, a stark reality. when We talk about the top quote there. What, is it, what does it mean to be a Montanan? What is it like to be for Montana. Uh, what do out-of-staters bring to this thing that we don't uh, appreciate? A lot of it has to do with whether or not you want to brawl. Brent Vegan has proven that he'll out
0: schemia pretty much across the board. And uh, Montana's had a really hard time adjusting within the scope of a game with their scheme. And so that's why this, this whole game is going to be so fascinating, because if the cats can get into a position in which the chess game matters, it's a gigantic advantage cats. If the grizz can get into a position where it's just a back alley brawl, it's a huge advantage for the Grizz. Uh, Joey Thomas summed it up really well uh, when I talked to him earlier this week, Montana State former All-American corner. Uh, you'll hear that interview later on this week here. On the Base guy Breakdown, you can also catch it on Nuanas Now on Thursday. He said the keys to this game are, one, understanding the magnitude of the moment and being able to harness the emotion and not let it crush you, but s- still be able to ride off of the environment and the atmosphere. And two, whoever can dictate the style of the game. The team that dictates what style of game is going to be played is the g- team that's going to win the game. And you look at the last handful of years in this, The Cats won four in a row because they absolutely played the style of game they wanted to play. Jeff Choate, his four best games, his foremost, the personification of what Jeff Choate wanted to play football like was best summed up in his four wins over the Grizzlies. Last year, the Grizz played their style of game absolutely, and the Cats looked like they were in a complete state of disarray compared to every other game that they've played in that Brett Vegan coached, uh, has, has coached in, so... Uh, I do think it comes down to who determines and dictates the style of the game. How long does that take right out the gates? That's going to be a huge factor as well.
1: It is a huge factor, and that's where that quick start comes in. You know, Montana State is in it for the long haul, and that might be a challenge. So I do think that both teams are going to want to get going. And uh, it might just come down to who gets the coin toss, Colter, and, and what what's a better metaphor for life.
0: Big Show Breakdown, presented in part by j and Restaurant Supply. Get all geared up for college game day for your tailgates and uh, maybe a couple more home games on the horizon for the Cats, but at least one more there in Bozeman. JV Restaurant Supply has locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. You can also visit their great website, jvrestaurant.com. Thanks to all of our great sponsors for presenting the Big Sky Breakdown. More with Ty Gregorac Next, skylinesportsmt.com. Brooks Nuance, thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Uh, what a week, and college game day is coming. My God. It's crazy. Never thought I'd sue the day, but at the same time, always knew that we were destined for this. Keep it right here.
2: Ty Greger, Big C Breakdown, coming up right after this.
3: You want us now, ESPN
0: Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, and it's uh, one of the best weeks of the year, state championship week. Across the state of Montana, we got a state championship and the fiercest rivalry in all the West. Montana at Montana State, 121st rendition of the rivalry coming up in Bozeman on Saturday. We've been joined throughout the season on our Big Sky Breakdown podcast on Skyline Sports by Ty Gregorak, longtime assistant coach throughout the Big Sky Conference, and now on the color commentary uh, for the MTN Network, and uh, we'll be in the booth for the rivalry game uh, on Saturday. Ty joins us now here on our Montana State Minute, presented by JNV Restaurant Supply. We're going to have a conversation that's going to, for sure, go beyond this radio segment, so you can find the rest of this conversation, again, uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown, skylandsportsmt.com. But uh, Montana State Minute, JNV Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. Go visit their website, jvrestaurant.com. Ty, what's up, my man? One of the great weeks of the year. How you feeling? How you doing?
4: Is is there one more football game this weekend, Culture? I forgot that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it's the best week of the year in this state, as we all know. And you know, I'm fired up. Hey, before we even get to the brawl, I'm fired up to to see the outcome of that game on Friday night. You know, we were talking prior to the call, Bozeman Bozeman Hawks, Coach Weshey led Bozeman Hawks, has 15 kids playing for both these programs, and he's competing for another state championship. So, you know, football football is, is alive and well and strong in Bozeman, Montana right now. There is no question about that.
0: Coach Weshey's done a hell of a job there, man. I mean, Tori Purcell did a great job. Uh, you know, Bozeman has always been so good at all the sports, and they were never – that elite at football, they're okay, you know, playoff team or whatever, but they hadn't won a state sure. championship since, like, the 1910s when they won one in 2010. And uh, Coach Purcell, when he left, people thought, okay, how are they going to keep this thing going? Because Purcell was a, you know, college-level coach who'd won championships at Haver and Bozeman. And and uh, Coach Wesche takes over, and he was telling me the other night, that's seven state title game appearances since 2010 for Bozeman, including six under Coach Weshi. So, uh, pretty darn impressive what he's been able to do there, at Bozeman. High. And that's one of the stories of this game. You got a bunch of ex-Hawks, you got a bunch of ex-Sentinel Spartans, and uh, the the great teams uh, from high school football in the state of Montana directly reflected in this game on Saturday uh, between Montana and Montana State.
4: Well, it's really cool because um, you just named you know the two the two. The two high schools that have the most kids on these programs—one's from right here in the heart of Bozeman, and one is—you know—become the flagship high school on that side. And, and and Dane Oliver has done an unbelievable job. And I was bummed to see him get knocked out because, you know, what a story. I mean, you and I can—you and I can remember when Central could won win a game, let no alone no games, no back, games, <laughs> no game, right? And, and 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 then back-to-back state champs. I, I was kind of hoping to see him make another run, but uh, yeah, man, it's just. It's neat to see, you know, the two programs that have the two big, biggest colleges in the uh, state are the ones that are led by a bunch of high school players that, uh, you know, both programs are doing a great job. So, Coach Coach Westley has done a good job. I mean, it's uh, especially with the split, you know, and a good chunk of these kids that are now going to Gallatin and a great job by Hunter and those guys this year. I mean, Gallatin, you know, who didn't even have a freaking senior class a year ago, uh, is, is is competing, you know, in the in – the, uh, Semifinal game. That's pretty awesome, man. Pretty
0: awesome. Testament to the towns and uh, the youth football programs in the towns for sure. Ty Gregorak joining us here on the Montana State Minute, presented by JNV Restaurant Supply. Uh, let's start there when it comes to the rivalry game, Coach. You you coached in a bunch of these, and a lot of times the the players from in state that have the most to lose, the most to play for, and then that play the best have the biggest influence on this game. And you know I. I have so many different guys that popped to my mind, whether it's Colt Anderson for the Grizz back in in '08, or you know Braden Conkle for the Cats, multiple years in a row uh, there during that four-game winning streak, or you know, guys like Josh Hill and Mitch Broad a couple years ago during that 2019 game, or guys like you know Jace Lewis last year uh, during the during Montana's win uh, over the Bobcats. So, uh, how much of an influence does that have? Just uh, the in-state guys playing in this game, especially the ones that are playing in it for the last time.
4: Well, it's it's uh, you're exactly right, but but I mean if you really look at both programs, Colter, and, and just go back through time, 99.9% of the time, the best players on these two schools are Montana boys. I mean, every now and then you're going to have that Maine Johnson or you know that, that young man that um, is is going to make his mark. You know, who knows? You know, a healthy Sean Chambers this week or a Bryce Stirk a couple years ago that was from out of state, but. 99% of the time, man, the best players on these programs are from Montana. And the guys that, that are remembered are the ones that make plays in this game. And most of the time, those guys are Montana boys. You know, it's just not to say that it means more than, than to a kid from out of state. It's just these young men grow up with it. They, they've got dads, grandpas, uncles, brothers, cousins, whoever, that, that, have, that probably some way are tied to this game. And, and you grow up with it. And that, that's what's so Special about this Saturday for for these young men is they spend their whole lives waiting to play in this game and and then to watch them go shine and and you know win or lose and battle and fight and I mean I was talking about it with Ben on the broadcast you know it's just different you know the the electricity the hitting is harder the smack talk is louder the the vibe is just it's special man and and to to get to co- yeah and you said I got to coach in a bunch of them. I coached in 15 brawls, Coulter. I mean, that's, you know, 15 of these, 15 of these weeks, man, where you're bringing in old players and old timers and, you know, newer generation guys and captains. And, you know, this guy made a play in this game and you get to listen to these stories throughout the week as players and coaches. And it truly is a special brotherhood, man. And, and, uh, all the young men that get to be a part of it. I mean, the fans, the fans are going to enjoy it and the fans are fans, man. They're going to, drink and party and yell at each other. And, you know, I mean, we got game day, which is already making an already special weekend, more special. Let's get back to that one, uh, because I do want to talk to you on, on the game day experience and what people, you know, what people around the state are saying about it. But no, man, it's, it's, you, you've been around a lot of these now too. You know what I'm talking about. It's just different. And any coach or player that doesn't treat it differently Usually uh, doesn't perform too well in the brawl, so uh, I can't wait to to be on the call. You know, people were calling me right away once once we found out gaming, game. they like, "No, you know, wait, you know, wait, are you not getting to call this game?" And I'm like, "No, they do. It's a it's a show, man. It's a production. They spend their few hours highlighting the programs and going around and the guest speaker, blah blah blah. And it's that, like a great, you know, like a concert, man. It's they, they they get everything out of there and they're gone before you even know it. So. Uh, Fired up for Saturday, man, as, as you can tell.
0: Ty Gregorak joining us here on the Montana State Minute, a conversation that will continue into the Big Sky Breakdown podcast. But two more things here uh, on this here radio hit, Ty. Uh, we'll get to the college game day in just a minute. But um, when you look at the guys from Montana that are playing in this game, I think it's very cool as well because you mentioned that some of the some of the best players on these teams, a lot of the times, the best players on these teams are from Montana. And, you know, 51 guys from Montana on the Grizzlies, 42 guys from Montana on the Bobcats. But it's not just those guys that are numbers. There's a whole bunch of guys that are just, you know, they're up and coming or that are red shirts or, you know, that are guys. We'll see what their future might hold. But when you look at the guys who are truly going to play and contribute in this game, I think you have some of the biggest stars in the game as Montana guys. You look at the Grizzlies. Marcus Wellnell, Patrick O'Connell, a couple linebackers who are All-American candidates. Robbie Hout claims Missoula, so we consider him a Montana and an All-American safety for the Grizz. Junior Bergen, who's probably going to be an All-American punt returner by the time it's all said and done, and a standout receiver from Billings. Mitch Roberts, who's been with Montana uh, forever out of Missoula Sentinel. Garrett Graves who's really made waves as a small-town guy uh, from Eureka, came in as a quarterback, and now he does everything. He's a safety, but he's also returning kicks and all sorts of stuff. But then probably the biggest star in this game is Tommy Malott, the quarterback for Montana State. And he's bolstered by a bunch of in-state teammates like R.J. Fitzgerald, the fullback, Callan O'Reilly, a captain linebacker, Bertie Grebe, uh, who's become a stud there on the defensive end spot out of Melstone, Montana, uh, Justice Perkins, the center from Bozeman. And you just go on and on down the line. And uh, so – I mean, when you talk about the matchup in this game, Ty, in terms of the the number of prominent guys from Montana who are playing prominent roles for their teams, it seems like that's yet another place in which uh, this seems like a, a stalemate, a pretty even draw when it comes yeah. to the stars from Montana in this game.
4: Yeah, and that's and that's what's so fun about it is, is, is all those guys you're talking about the matchups, right? You know, the uh, you know is Lane Sumner healthy? and you know how's wellnell going to tackle the kid from Huntley and Tommy Malott, you know Butte but America against a quarterback on their defense and Robbie Houck. and how's Patrick O'Connell going to handle big long you know trade Pickering on the edge and you know I mean it, that's the, that's what's fun about this is the matchups man and um, you know these Montana boys they they are i mean they're i mean we, every guy we just named is from Montana whether they're from you know, Billings, which is 115,000, all the way to Sunburst with a few hundred. That's what's cool about this. And all, uh, it, it's so, uh, you know, all my old dudes from 12 years at Montana and three years at Montana State, all, all my, the guys that I stay in touch with the most are all Montana boys, man. I mean, just the Shane McIntyres and Sean Lebsocks. And I talked to Brock Coyle the other day and Mac Bignell, talked to Dane Fletcher. You know, what I mean, that, that's what's special for me, man, is because I'm not from here. But I've officially hit the 20-year mark uh, this winter Um, when I came with Coach Hauk in and married a girl from Roundup, Montana. And our kids are, (laughs) I mean, my daughter, it's already house divided, man. I mean, Candace Candace played volleyball for the Cats, coached for the Grizz for five years. I coached the Grizz for 12 years, finished my career with, with the Cats for a few years, and now Gabby, Gabby loves the Grizz and Jack loves the Bobcats. So we're, we're already working on the house divided thing. And Candace and I are pretty freaking indifferent, to the truth. But um, it's special. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it 20 more times in our conversation this morning. It's just special. Ty
0: Gregorak here on Nuanas. Now, last thing for uh, this part of the conversation, Ty, you mentioned college game day. And I think that uh, on one side of this thing, people are just over the moon thrilled Uh, There's a lot of salty people on the western side of the Continental Divide. But as I keep saying throughout the week, and I hope everybody can really take this, is it's not the college game day chose Montana State over Montana as much as they chose the state of Montana to come to to highlight. And there's a lot of things that go into it. Accessibility, the travel, the opportunity, the schedule, all those sorts of things. And I think the fact that the Cats are undefeated in league play really was a draw as well. Uh, so, what, what do you think about the dynamic of people, co- or of, of the uh, the reaction to college game day, but also college game day coming to Bozeman?
4: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this. One, the stars aligned pretty perfectly because the, the power over the years. There's been lots of top five matchups with these within the brawl, top ten matchups. You know, uh, one trying to keep the other out of the playoffs, both trying to make the playoffs, but the Power Five slate next week isn't very strong, you know, and who knows if UCLA doesn't get upset by Arizona, maybe they're, they're in LA for USC, UCLA, which probably would have been what six versus seven, seven versus eight, somewhere like that. Um, But it's anyone who, anyone, and I'll say this too. Okay. If, if, if college game day makes one appearance to Montana, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a bummer that, in Missoula hopefully they just have a wonderful time and want to come back in a couple few years you know they've been to Fargo a couple times I do believe that game day should set up shop in Missoula Missoula in terms of SCS is, is the greatest venue with this one of the strongest fan bases in the country that's a fact uh, the venue there with with Mount Sentinel in the background and 26,000 and the in the just the beauty of Washington Grizz it's it's a beautiful awesome FCS stadium that I think is the best in the country not the Fargo Dome, not nowhere else. Um, that being said, Coulter, if you're going to whine about it being in Bozeman and not Missoula, then shame on you, because they're going to highlight both programs equally. They're going to highlight the Grizz. They're going to highlight Coach Houck. They're going to highlight Montana's all-time leading tackler in Robbie Houck. They're going to they're going to they're going to show things in Missoula and, and the great history of, of Montana but they're also going to do it at Montana State. And, oh, by the way, one of the two teams is undefeated in league play and still vying for a a conference championship. One of the teams is number three in the country. One of the teams has three league losses and is outside the top ten and can't win the league. And, oh, by the way, if, 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 if Montana loses this game and UC Davis wins, they're probably not even making the playoffs. So don't whine about college game day coming to Bozeman when I just stated the facts there in terms of this game. So it's going to be awesome for both programs. They're going to highlight both programs. It's great for the brawl. It's great for 121 years of a story that's an incredible story and an incredible rival. Oh, by the way, since the streak has been broken, it's nine to nine. Everybody loves to talk about the record. It's nine to nine since 2002 when the streak was broken because you've got the COVID year that they didn't play. It is completely even. So I don't know, man. I think it's awesome, personally. I, mean, I don't even know if I'm going to get to go. I'd love to take Jacks and, and go experience that. But, you know, the game's a, it's a noon kickoff, and we're doing the game, and I'm usually there about you know, a few hours early. So it, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome for both programs. It's a, it, it, and we don't, I mean, period. Don't have to talk about it anymore. It's great for, it's great for the brawl.
0: Want to test a minute? Ty Gregorak here on Nuwana's Now. This conversation shall continue on the Big Sky Breakdown. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a scotty, JV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. if you can't make it in, Jv also has a great website, JVrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Big Sky Breakdown, a continuation of our Montana State Minute. Ty Gregorak who joins us each week here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Join me on my daily radio show as well. Uh, listen to that on your Wednesday and uh, probably listen to this now on your Thursday or Friday 121st edition of the Fiercest Rivalry in the West, Montana at Montana State, and a whole bunch on the line. And, and Ty, we just sort of wrapped up our conversation talking about College Game Day, and the people listen to the pod, they already heard all that, and... Uh, if you missed anything in it, you can always find it on the Big Sky Breakdown or the Nuanas Now pod. Um, but in, in terms of just sort of the, what this game means, the just in terms of the scope of this season, the uh, the Bobcats are have an identical deal going on to what they had a year ago. They have one loss. It's to an FBS team. They're undefeated in league play. They got nine wins overall. They're into the playoffs no matter if they win or lose. But they could win their first Big Sky Conference championship in 10 years. The Grizz, I think that they need to win to get in for sure. Uh, they could get in at 7-4, and four, but I don't think it's going to be nearly as likely. They just need to take care of business if they want to be in the postseason. Uh, but start with the Cats. I mean, how much pressure do you think there is on the Cats uh, coming into this? Because uh, this is an eerily similar situation, not only to uh, last year, but also reminiscent of 2011 when they were undefeated and number one in the country and Montana came in and blasted them in Bozeman. So what do you, what do you think of just sort of the, the pressure and sort of the, the deja vu that the Cats are going to experience this week going for a big sky title against their rival?
4: Well, I would say, the only, in my opinion, the only pressure on the Cats is because of the way they performed last year in Coach Vegan's first year. So everything you're saying is right. Coach Vegan has lost four games in his two-year career. That's incredible. He's lost to Wyoming, Oregon State, Montana in the brawl and North Dakota state in a national championship. So the guy's been uber successful. He's off to the fastest start by any Bobcat coach ever. He's got the best record ever for, for, for the number of games he's coached in, but they went to Missoula last year and played so bad and and coached so poorly uh, that I would imagine most of the eyes from Bobcat nation on him going, okay, last year was your first year. You learned pretty quickly. That you know, you, I know, We know you made a run. You made one of the greatest coaching decisions maybe ever in benching your starting quarterback, going with the, the young man from Butte, who then led you to a national championship. But, that, but this outfit did not show up last year for this game. And so to me, that's, that's where the pressure is. Okay, you know, yes, they win. They're the big Sky Conference champions. They win. They're 100% a lock for a top seed. But, you know, more, 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 than, more than that right now is just the effort and how you go coach and how you go play in the biggest game of the year. Because last year wasn't up to snuff, but as, as, as I know their, their own coaches and players would say, you go perform like that, especially after winning four in a row. I mean, they went four in a row. The longest streak Montana State's had in decades. And then, to, and then to, you know, screw that up in that kind of fashion last year, to me that's where the pressure is. It's just saying, okay, we, we ain't, we ain't going to go coach and play like that ever again.
0: So fascinating, too, because Montana State's style, they are able to ride the wave, so to speak, and the momentum throws of a game don't seem to really uh, derail them, and then they are always able to get on top of the wave and then ride the wave to the end, and I think that Coach Vegan's steady hand and, and sort of his patient demeanor is reflected in that. I also think Tommy lot his ability to analyze things and, and sort of uh, dissect them and, and have moments where he... he He's not figuring it out yet, but then he figures it out. It clicks in, and all of a sudden, you know, he goes from Clark Kent to Superman. It's pretty amazing to watch sometimes. Uh, But the Grizz want to get out right out of the gates and punch you straight in the face, and they want to seize that momentum and ride that momentum, and then just beat your ass in the back alley as long as they possibly can. When they can do that, they're great. When they can't do that, they're actually a very average team. Like the back and forth of of the chess match. That's not really their style. If they're up 13 nothing, though, I mean, I can't tell you. It's so funny. We've been joking. It's not a 14 nothing lead. The Grizz a desire this year It's 13 nothing because they somehow can't kick extra points anymore. I don't know how the hat, that happened uh, for a Bobby Houck team, but they've missed five extra points so far this year. Crazy. That's like the most anomalous stat of the whole year to me because Coach Houck's always been so good on special teams. Regardless, though, the the Grizz have had 13 nothing leads, I feel like, like five or six of their seven wins so far. Uh, this year. So what do you think of that dynamic? I mean, I don't know if the cats can just kind of feel it out and endure and then try to, you know, let the won't be beat attitude come to the forefront. Because I think if Montana gets out and seizes the momentum, that's how the Grizz beat everybody, let alone the cats.
4: Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I say it, I I feel like I've said it every week on this show and and, and on the broadcast on Saturday. The, 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 If you ever watch a college football team that just doesn't flinch, this is it. They don't flinch, which is crazy. If they flinched one time in 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 Coach Vegan's career here, it was against the 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 Montana Grizzlies last year. They flinched and they just they never recovered. Um, But yeah, it's it's fascinating in a lot of ways because in my mind, Montana State's really only played two good teams. They got their butts kicked. In Oregon, by Oregon State. A good Oregon State. A good Pac-12, Power 5 Oregon State. Maybe, maybe, maybe Jonathan Smith's best team yet since he's been there. They got their butts kicked. And then Weber State, who I, th- I think is a good team. I, th- I mean, it, they, they've proven they've, they're a good team. They've lost to Montana State and Sac State. Um, but let's look at that game. <laughs> a kick return for a touchdown. A punt return for a touchdown. A blocked field goal four four snaps over the dang punter's head to equal eight points and they won by five you know so i think that montana being a little more battle tested so to speak going on the road to sac state at home against idaho going on the road weaver state two of the three without your starting quarterback and going and and fighting you know one was an overtime one was a one score you know they're 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 pretty battle tested, and I think that actually helps them in this game, where I don't know how. I mean Montana State's been battle tested, no doubt. Um, you know most recently, uh, you know up at Flagstaff, where it was just a you know I, I I said it maybe at the beginning of the fourth quarter or midway through the third quarter. I said I I really believe the person with the ball last is going to win this game, and sure enough, that's what it took against a very average to sometimes pretty poor NAU team. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, it's fascinating how, you know, the, these two program season has, has gone, you know. And, I mean, at one point you're sitting there going, God, is this, is, is this Montana team going to make a national championship run? And then, you know, it really – I say the three-week skid, but that all started in Pocatello. They didn't play very good in Pocatello in my mind. I watched that game because ours was later that, that evening. Um, or, or maybe we had a – no, that wasn't our buy. I think we played later that night, maybe against Davis UC or something. Davis I night. did watch it. Yeah, I did watch that game, and they didn't play very good they, against a very poor ISU. So I just think the, 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 uh, the schedule and the way that both programs have fought through it and blown out teams and had to fight a little bit, lose in, in Montana's case, I, I just think it, it makes so, for such an interesting matchup because – and you and I have talked about this, culture, and I know you, you and I stay in touch throughout the week. Like – do any of these games really tell us anything about these programs? Like, I honestly can't tell you how good or not good either one of these teams, I think they're both good. I don't know how great they are, but you know, that that we're almost to dang playoffs and we're going to find out in a hurry. But does that make sense? Like, I know that sounds weird as we're now 11 games into a season, but like, I can't tell you if if I couldn't tell you both of these teams could, could make a dang run to Frisco and both could get knocked out in the first round, you know? It's like, I don't know. We'll see. But, that, hey, man, I know the old, you know, throw out the records, throw out the records. Well, both these teams are fighting for postseason and, and, and you know, positioning in postseason and, and obviously a, a conference championship for the Cats and then, you know, just the fact, that just the sheer, you know, winning this game and the pride that goes around it. You want to win this game, period. And then, you know, the, the rest is just icing on, on top.
0: It's so true. Ty back here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Spoiler alert, because Andrew Houghton's coming up. One thing that Andrew pointed out, and you'll hear that here in a little while here on the Big Sky Breakdown, but part of, I think, our uncertainty around some of these Big Sky teams is created by the vacuum of North Dakota State. They're not as good as they have been. They're cer- certainly still very good, but they're not this, you know, juggernaut on a 40-game winning streak with a first-round draft pick quarterback and 49 seniors and all these crazy things that they always have. And, uh... You know, so then I think then because they're not this dominant team it creates this vacuum where you're like, okay, South Coast State's pretty good. They never been, they've never they been to one national championship and it was during a shortened spring season. Okay, can they really make a run? We'll see. You know, uh, Montana's been up and down. Montana State's been up and down. Weber State's been up and down. Idaho's new to the scene, but could they actually make a run? I don't know. Sac State might be the, the number one seed in the whole damn tournament. And still you'd be like, Could SAC really win a national championship? I don't really know because they've never even won a playoff game. So it is sort of a vacuum that's been created by uh, the lack of dominance. I also think, though, in the big sky this year, I thought it was exactly cut and dry who was going to be the contenders and who was not going to be the contenders except one team, and that's Idaho. And so then I think that everybody had all these games circled on the calendar, and I think a lot of times the teams played – like, they, were, they had a lot of pressure on them. I mean, I, you know, you were at the Weaver State-Montana State game. Great game, fun game, completely unlikely game. I didn't think either of those teams played very good. I mean, the only team I've really seen play well from start to finish in front of me was when Idaho came to Missoula and kicked Montana's asses. Besides that, it's been a lot of times when it's been clunky. It's been fun to watch down the stretch the way teams have closed out games, but we've seen a lot of the best teams play each other and not play particularly well, if that makes sense.
4: Yes. No, it does. I mean, that's the teams you're talking about, the same teams we were talking about, you know, in preseason, I think are all, uh, like you said, other than Idaho. I, I'm, I'm a little, well, no, I shouldn't say not surprised at Davis. Davis's schedule early was no joke, man. That, that was a brutal schedule, you know, and, and so on paper, their record was like, whoa, you know, his it was, it was Hawk, Hawk, Hawk lost it completely, you know, And, and but look, look what they've done since. I mean, they're, they're still in it, you know, so you got – Sac State, UC Davis, you got the two Montana programs, Weber State, and basically Idaho just kind of flip-flopped with Eastern, you know, in terms of that, in terms of the mix of those, that those handful half a dozen teams. And I think, I think Sac State from what I've seen, and they're just taking care of business every freaking game. They've taken care of business in dang near every game. Troy Taylor's coach there, Coulter. uh, you know Jay Hill, great coach. I really believe Jay Hill is going to get a look. I, I, I mean, he's going to get that, you know, that Utah State or, or one of those jobs is going to come open. I think he's just an excellent coach. And then the two programs here in the state, I mean, yeah, it's it's like I said, I think they're both really good teams. I think they've got you know deficiencies that against a really good team in the playoffs are going to get you beat. But I think like you just said, you pointed to North Dakota State. Every team's kind of like that right now. You know, South Dakota State strong. They're good. That, that's essentially the same South Dakota state team that came to Bozeman last year and got beat, you know? So, <laughs> Hey man, it's awesome that we're talking about this. All these teams are still in play. Um, you know, m- football in Montana and the Dakotas is really strong and that's really cool. When you're seeing these teams duke it out through the quarterfinals, semifinals and national championship and you get border states fight fighting against each other. It's awesome. So, I think it's going to be a phenomenal finish, no matter what. You've got Davis Sack, you got the brawl. Idaho, in my mind, wins that game. So, I mean, I, I mean, if Idaho, if Idaho wins, they're 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 in, right? I mean, that yeah, the sure. way they they'd have they're a seven-two
0: uh, uh, FCS record. I, I guess maybe FBS, eight yep. eight and two are FCS records. So they'd be in for sure.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I mean, what God? I mean, Jason Eck, first year. I mean, that's that's just phenomenal. So, I love seeing. Uh, these storylines. I mean, obviously, if, if I'm coaching, I'm like, no, screw all those teams. You know, they I, I, they, I don't want them to win one game. But you and I get to be fans and, and talk about it, and you write about it, and, and I get to talk about it on Saturdays, and it's awesome. To me, it's awesome. I mean, the lower half of the Big Sky is just really not good. I mean, watching Polly last week was, it was wow, embarrassing. Right? I mean, it, it, it just wow. I mean, I, I was just like, and Bo, and I said it multiple times. I don't know if you watched the game. Like, I've got so much respect for Coach Baldwin and. Paul Wolf and some of these guys, it's just like sad to watch, you know, the guy's a national champion coach who had, who who turned I mean, I I related it to Boise state. He didn't build it. He just made it better. You know, he put him on the map and then, and then took it to a whole nother level and and to see him struggling down there. I mean, he joked with me last week, you know, it's like, Hey Ty, these these losses really suck. They hurt. But I, I, my apartment, I I look at the Pacific every day, you know, that's, that's kind of cool too. But I just, you know, there's good coaching top to bottom and, um, yeah, man, the big the big sky is going to be so fun to watch these. You know, see, see how Saturday turns out with these rival games, and then you know, see how the seating and positioning works, and then you know where, where teams are going or if they're at home. And I can't wait, man. It's it's going to be fun. It's going
0: to be fun. Coulter. Last thing for you, then, uh, from my uh, X's and O's coaching standpoint, what are the key matchups uh, in this game? with Montana at Montana State on Saturday?
4: Montana's defense is so salty. I just think, I think they're so good. Um, other than last year, they really struggled against, you know, against Montana State's rushing attack. Now, Montana State doesn't run as much gap scheme as they used to. It's very inside-outside zone heavy that I think they actually run as good as anybody in the country. Their offensive line, losing two big studs last year in two Sopo and Louis Kid in some ways is, is even better. It's a more cohesive unit that just knows how, how to zone block and their positioning and getting their hands on guys. Um, games like this, in my mind, especially with, with some of the ups and downs of the special teams group, right? I mean, I always say there's four. there's four, there's four there, You know, we always talk about the three phases of football, offense, defense, kicking. Well, that fourth one's coaching. And... I just think that a special team's play somehow, some way will come into play in, in a game like this, you know, whether it's a trick or a long return. Both returners are having great years. I mean, Markey Johnson, I mean, look, 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 put, he's like their backup backup receiver. They put him in the backfield and he runs for 200-plus yards in the first half and four touchdowns. He's a co offensive player of the week, you know. So um, Montana State, Montana's very, very salty defense against an offense, a non-triple option offense that's running the ball for 317 a game, 316.6 a game, Coulter. How about that? For a non-triple option team to be averaging over three. Five times this year they've gone over 300 yards. Incredible. I mean, I'm watching it now. No, I, I said, Polly's not very good. Paul, like, Paulie's really bad on defense. They're, they're really bad. But, I mean, they couldn't tackle these guys. I mean, they just, you know, boom, boom, 500. I mean, school record. Five, I mean, I, I kind of saw it coming because of what Montana – who who who's good but not really? I wouldn't. I don't think either of us would say they're great running the ball. But what they did to Paulie, I mean, that was disgusting. So you you knew a team that like hangs their hat on it in terms of rushing the football. Whew, that was that was ugly in a hurry. So I just think the, the the for me the fascinating matchup is the Patrick O'Connell's and Robbie Hauks and Wellnell and you know Nash Fouch and, and Corbin Walker and these guys uh, against the best running football team you know this side of the Mississippi. I mean, that's just stats. So, and then I think a special play is going to come in there somehow, some way, which team can, you know, just the, the, which team can just, you know, be cool, man. Like, I, I mean, it's for the fans to be crazy. It's for game data, you know, all that stuff's fun, but just like block out the noise, do your one 11th. That's my coach speak for you today. Do your one and just don't, you know, don't, don't play outside yourself. Just do your job, man. Do your job. Just do your job, and, and 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 don't get too hyped up early, and don't peak too early. Don't get crazy. Just enjoy the moment, because you'll never forget it. win or lose. I mean, buddy, I coached in 15 of these. I can tell you more about the three losses than the 12 wins, because they stick with you, man. And so you know, it's it just enjoy enjoy the heck out of the game. That's all. That's all I would say for coaches, players, and and, and you know. To me, for the Bobcats, you know, just watching that game last year, that was kind of embarrassing, like in all three phases. I think you'd say that, too. Like, I mean, you and I were talking after. I remember, we're like, is special teams, like, I mean, are, are they going to, like, start kind of zeroing in on that with just some of the errors in a, in a massive game like that? And, and I, re- I, I think Justin Udy has really taken a lot of ownership, and they've improved in so many areas. Like, if you really look at the return game, Montana State didn't have a return game for years, man. Marky Johnson's a dude. Um, uh, and so I just think coach UD done a really good job and taking ownership in that when, when coach Deegan kind of handed the reins to him. And, and so, and, and you and I know that coach Howe, uh, you know, got his living, got to start in this profession, coaching teams, and he loves coaching teams, which I think going back to what you said earlier on, just the block, extra points and stuff, seeing some of the, you know, the sides and some of the special teams, you know, errors this year for Montana has been like kind of temple rubbing going, whoa, wait, no, 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 no. Coach Houks our, our coach. What's going on? So I don't know, man. I just, I feel like a special teams play could really somehow, some way have an impact in this game.
0: Ty Gregorak joins us each week on the Big Sky Breakdown, including this week, one of the biggest weeks of the year. Coach Ty, I appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. And I very much look forward to seeing you on Saturday, but have a great week. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you soon in the 121st edition coming right at you.
4: Can't wait, but it is going to be cold and clear, and you and I will be in that big, beautiful press box. Probably got firehouse subs. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't change it up much up there, do they? No. Nope. Firehouse subs. I, t- I tell you what, though. Just, just, I'm just putting this in your ear, and I don't, I don't know if it's just you and I talking still or if, I, if we're still going, but it's going to be about 22, 23 degrees, sunny and clear. Does that not just weirdly remind you of 2011 when, when oh, the buddy. girls had to come into Monterey? Mud- and, and, and you know what? Montana State was ranked number one in the country. Number one in the country. And it, it was a beautiful day. And Montana came in and knocked these guys off. I was there. I was, I'll never forget it. Uh, we, we didn't have game day. It was big, big game. But game day, you know, game day has been snubbing these two schools for a long time. But now game day is here in Kirk Herb Street and Chris Fowler and the boys. And it's going to be exciting, man. We're, we're, we're lucky that we all get to be a part of this this Saturday. Very lucky.
0: Also have to thank all of our fit during football sponsors as well. I've been trying to really keep the fitness honed in, keep the mind fresh. I made a lot of health changes in my life. Gave up the the drinking, gave up the boozing, and uh, been trying to eat as healthy as possible. And so been staying on track with the help from the guys over at uh, Nutrition on Reserve here in Missoula, as I sit here in the Garden City. The uh, high protein intake it helps you a lot helps curb the appetite helps also helps with muscle recovery helps you feel fresh my mind feels great and uh, it helps you work out a lot harder as well so that's been a a welcome addition for me and also been hitting hard at both the hype house uh, which is a cycling and strength studio awesome place, very welcoming environment, totally outside my comfort zone, but they have awesome spin classes, but also awesome strength classes too. So you can get your lifting in over there as well and uh, get some high resistance type training. That's uh, really good for building that lean muscle mass. And also got to say thanks to Hothouse Yoga. They've been great as well, uh, helping me. Relax, wind down. You know, it, it but it does. It kind of juices you up a little bit too. You know, because you, you get to sit there and be with your thoughts and stretch it out. And it's very challenging physically too. A lot of body weight strength being built as well. But you kind of just get to be. You just get to be, and you get to let let go of things and and really explore your own mind. And uh, it helps you return to center. And then if you're doing it early in the day or in the middle of the day, boom, you hit it and charge hard. Towards the rest of the day. So, got yeah, to all those great sponsors for uh, helping me out. If you want to learn more, you can visit all their websites, Nutrition on Reserve, Hype House, and the Hot House Yoga Studio. Check out all those fine sponsors if you're trying to get fit. I promise you, you won't regret the decision. Well, the conversations are just so good. We got to just keep them rolling. You got some Nuanas Now action with both Ty Gregorak and now Andrew Houghton. And then the uh, conversation carries on here in to the Big Sky Breakdown, biggest week of the year here at Skyline Sports. Sort of a uh, an anniversary every year because, you know, we we always sort of cover both Montana and Montana State with great fervor as they then approach the matchup with each other. And then uh, when we get to this point, it's just about putting it all together. You know, we we know exactly the matchups. And, you know, a lot of times when Montana's playing Weber State and yada, 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 you you're wondering, okay, how does this matchup going to play out? We know what the key matchups are in this game. And uh, it'll be fun to continue to talk about it. Andrew Houghton joins us here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. And uh, go check out our matchup series of stories. Uh, as you're listening to this, we have about half of the six-part series done, I think, probably th- four, three or four uh, of the uh, of the pieces published. So go check that out. We just had a good conversation on Nuances Now about what this game means from a playoff perspective. Uh, but now I want to have a little fun. Uh, everybody's always asking, well, who's better? Well, I think we're going to find who's better in the game. But also, I think it's very interesting to see where we're at uh, with just position by position. Who who has the superior talent? And I actually don't think there's an answer to that. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched. I think there's a lot of really good players in this game. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go uh, down the line, and uh, we're going to talk about different position groups and different players at position groups and uh, who maybe has the edge at those position groups and, and who would be the, the front-line starters if you were to combine the Bobcats and the Grizzlies into one team. Who would be uh, the front-line starters? So we'll start on the offensive front uh, right now for Montana. From left to right, it's senior Chris Walker at left tackle, junior uh, Hunter McGinnis at left guard. Um, A.J. Forbes, a junior, has been the center for the last couple of years. Journey Grimsrud from Huntley Project has emerged as the starter at right guard, replacing Liam Brown, and he's a redshirt freshman. And Brandon Casey is the starter at right tackle. For the Cats, they have a starter, uh, a sophomore starter at left tackle in Rush Reimer, a sophomore starter at left guard in J.T. Reed, a sophomore starter at center in Justice Perkins, a junior starter in Cole Sain at right guard, and he actually was a, a Montana Grizzly once upon a time and actually played a little bit as a true freshman before leaving the program, going to a junior college, coming back to Montana. And then the right tackle for the first part of the year was Marcus Ware out of Billings Central, but now is Jacob Kettles, and he's a redshirt freshman. Actually, a gray grayshirt, redshirt freshman. So been in the program for a couple years. Um, the Cats are rushing for like 317 yards per game right now, Andrew. They have had the best offensive line, arguably not only in the conference, but in the country. Uh, where are we at? Kind of comparing to contrasting. Montana's offensive line's been okay. I think they've been better in recent weeks. Uh, I guess... It would be, uh, you know, sort of low hanging fruit to just say, well, the cat's offensive line would just start for Montana across the board, all four Montana, all five Montana State stars. But I don't know if it's quite that simple. Well, I think Montana State does have a little bit of an advantage uh, on the offensive front.
5: Yeah, I think Montana State's offensive line is certainly better, and you can see that in the results and what they've been able to do this year. Uh, and so it is really simple to say, well, look, you wouldn't take any of those Montana guys on the Montana State offensive line just because you've got a unit that's working so well together and those guys are getting the results. Montana's offensive line has been rounding into shape here these last couple of weeks and how much of that has been the opposition, how much of that has been having Lucas Johnson back under center with sort of the things he's able to do with his escapability. Um, I guess the interesting discussion would be like, you know, I think – if you were combining these two offensive lines and you wouldn't do that because an offensive line play is so based on just the unit yeah, working yeah, yeah. together and everything, um, you know, the Montana guys who I think would have a shot would be A.J. Forbes, Brandon Casey, maybe Hunter McGinnis, right? I think
0: that's right. And I think that Jacob Kettles has played pretty well uh, in his first action at right tackle. Brandon Casey's been only okay this year for the Grizz, but he has a lot of potential. I think he could be very good at when he gets to... Uh, you know, later on in his career. So I think that that right tackle spot's maybe like a coin flip, maybe a slight edge to Casey. I don't know, though. Uh, I do think McGinnis is the best guard in this game. Sure. He was a third-team all-league guy last year. I think if he played for Montana State in a different scheme, he'd still be good because he's, he's aggressive, he can run, and he's big. And he's mean, too. But I do think JT Reed's the second-best guard in this game. So maybe those are your guards. Uh, Forbes is pretty good. I think Perkins is the guy that plays above his head more than anybody in the league. And it's easy to play above your head when you're 5'11", as an offensive lineman. But, I mean, I shouldn't even say he's playing above his head, though, because at this point, I mean, it's like the old Jeff. It's his
5: level. I mean, it's, yeah. like,
0: it's like the old Jeff Cholt line. Jeff, when he first walked out, out of Bozema High, he said, we got this 5'11", 265-pound center. And he said, every time I turn on the film, the guy he's blocking is on his ass. So, you know, at some point you're like, it's not a coincidence anymore. The guy's just really good player. So I think Perkins is a good player. Uh, so I think he'd probably get the, the edge at, at center. And then uh, I think Rush Reimer, by the time his career's done, I think he's going to be an All-American guy. And if he keeps developing, maybe a, a flirting with a shot on Sunday, I don't know if he's quite there yet, but he's going to be one of those guys that's a four-year starter that's, you know, I mean, he's, he's the prototype, 6'5", 300 pounds, great athlete, uh, good feet. So I think he, you know, gets the edge there. Uh, at left tackle. Uh, how about running back? Because uh, this is a fascinating one. The Cats have been running for a million yards. They've done it without all their best running backs. Uh, Lane Sumner's only played a handful of games this year. Isaiah has played none. Kagan Williams has played none. The Grizz, they had a bunch of guys at running back, and now they have one guy at running back, and they actually bettered out. They got one guy at running back. Marcus Knight no longer on the team. Uh, Xavier Harris banged up, was on crutches the last couple weeks. And uh, now it's been the Nick Ostmo show. So uh, it, it, an interesting d- dilemma here because uh, individually, Nick Osmo is a, is a good player. and uh, But I think Elijah Elliott's a good player too. So, like Elliott is suffering from from not being the three guys that were ahead of him on the depth chart, yet when you just analyze him himself, he's very good. He's had multiple 100-yard games this year. And uh, the backup Garrett Coon, he rushed for 100 yards last week as well. So where are we at with the running backs?
5: Well, it's such a tough one because so much of it comes down to Who's going to be active and available on Saturday? Right. Uh, we know the situation, of course, with Montana State. It's been an all-year thing. Montana's facing the same thing now. Is Xavier Harris going to be available on Saturday? We know Marcus Knight won't be. But Xavier Harris is the guy who I think is just the best out of Montana's running backs and has he is. been all year. He is. So that's but He's a,
0: had such ebbs and flows. That's right. Sometimes he's hurt. Sometimes he's in the – I don't know if he's in the doghouse or what, but like – he has rushed for 100 yards against Washington. He's had huge touchdown run against Portland State, and he's also just like not played in games even when he wasn't hurt, and he's also been hurt a lot.
5: Yeah, it's been an interesting thing to watch. I, It's also hard to evaluate just the rise of Nick Osmo here, and I think we're kind of on the same page, sure. but I'm not sure how many other people are. I, I think he's a good player. I think he's, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a really useful piece for a team. He's a guy who can have big games, as we've seen. Uh, I'm not sure that against quality opposition – He's the, you know, twenty-five carry, two hundred yard guy that he's been in each of the last two weeks.
0: I mean, he's he's he has four hundred something of his seven hundred and four yards right. against Idaho State, Cal Poly, and Eastern Washington.
5: Right, the three I mean, worst ranked defenses in the all. country. Yeah, um, and so and it's the same thing with the Cats, right? Like, I don't think Isaiah Fonse is going to play this weekend, no. although uh, there's been some whisperings about that. Uh, so it comes down to. How much do you believe in, in Elijah Elliott? How much do you believe in uh, Garrett Kuhn? I know who was a great high school player in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much do you believe in him? I And again, you can't really separate it away from the play of the offensive lines either. Uh, I would take Montana State's guys, though. I mean, I think, you know, Elijah Elliott's the best running back playing in the game.
0: Yeah, and Lane Sumner might be back. And if Lane Sumner's back, then he's, then he's absolutely the best guy. Yeah, right. Lane Sumner, I know that I have uh, a... a a f- strong affinity for Lane Sumner, but I think Lane Sumner, when he's healthy, is just so good, man. I just think he's, yeah, I think he's lights out good. It's not, it's not a coincidence that he rushes for 150 yards every time he's healthy. Like he really is that good.
5: Right, and it comes and it, and it also, I mean, is he healthy enough to play or is he fully healthy? Sure, right, right. right. Uh, so there's a big difference there. Uh, so I would take, you know. Discounting Lane Sumner, Elijah Elliott number one and then Nick Osmo number two and, and that's discounting Sumner and Xavier Harris.
0: Yeah, I think the Bobcats get a little bit of a boost here too because uh, they have a fullback in RJ Fitzgerald who's the best fullback in the league and uh, the girls don't really use a fullback anymore. They were kind of using Joey Elwell in that role, but he's his role in the offense has like fully dissipated. I don't really know. I haven't seen him out there. I yeah, mean, he hasn't really played at all and uh, they don't really run that three tight end stuff that much anymore either. Uh, like they were, and so you know, it's just it's a lot more wideouts on the field. So we get to uh, the receivers in just a minute, but let's talk tight ends for a minute. Uh, Derek Snell is one of the most diverse players in the league. He can line up in the backfield, he can line up in the slot, he can line up with his hand in the dirt. He's a great blocker. He's a great pass catcher. And Trayton Pickering is uh, an NFL body. I don't I don't know if he's an NFL guy yet. I actually don't think he is, but he uh, he's got a great frame. You know, he's a good looking dude. That's a formidable tight end pair for the Cats, and they've been using them a lot more in the past game this year as well. The Grizz tight ends uh, led by Cole Grossman, I think that his his lack of opportunities this year has been frustrating for anybody that's followed Grizz football because he's so clearly one of the best athletes in the league at any position, let alone his position. I think this is an interesting one. I think that, I think that for what the Cats ask Snell to do, he does it better, but they also ask him to do more things and they use him more effectively. A lot of what Cole Grossman's, like, what you desire his uh, impact to be has been because they haven't used him as much as we maybe like. So this is actually kind of a coin flip to me.
5: Yeah, I agree with you. The funniest thing to me to watch is every time Cole Grossman catches the ball yeah. or makes a nice play, is the resulting flood of feedback from Grizz fans on social media. All the, all the <laughs> tweets right. coming out, that's screaming right. about throwing Cole Grossman I mean, the the damn ball.
0: I mean, co-founder of Skyline Sports Brooks as he he wants to co-name this podcast "Throw the Ball the Damn Tight End." It's true. <laughs> it's true. Like, so you just got to throw the ball at the tight end and call it football.
5: Well, that's what I'm saying when. Uh, Daniel Britt threw that first touchdown of yeah. his career on that wheel route to Cole Grossman. I was like, well, a, a large portion of the Grizz fan base just passed out from ecstasy <laughs> here from seeing that
0: for sure. hundred percent true. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know who I would pick. I, I think that they're both really good. I think that it would come down to what kind of offense you were running. If you were going to pick between the straight up Snell and Grossman, I think if you're running a, a power run game, a spread option offense like the cats, Snell's perfect. I think if you're running more of an RPO spread stuff like the Grizz run, Grossman's perfect. I think you could use both these guys more. But, of course, I always think you could use the tight end more.
5: Yeah, and I think the the Cats have a little bit of an advantage, too, with having another guy who they trust and trait in Trayton Pickering. I, I know the Grizz have been using Peyton Brammer a little bit. I know Eric Barker's been getting some run. I think both of those guys are going to be guys to watch in this Rens, offense. Matt
0: Rensville's got a little bit of run. Burn as well, yeah.
5: yep. Because um, they have been... You know we're always looking for the three tight end stuff because Bobby leaned on it so much when he first came back, for and sure. I love doing that uh, with, with whichever one of the Demings it was that played offense. Yeah, Right, um, Bryson.
0: Yep. Gosh, I forgot about those guys.
5: Yeah, right. They they had good years at Illinois they State,
0: were, and they were good players. That was so weird that they left. They were like, seemed like they would be Bobby type of guys too, just in-state, tough. You know, kind of just all the media hard,
5: guys love them because the, the guys. twins, yeah. and they were well spoken yeah. and like yeah.
0: So weird that that went awry. Regardless, we digress. Uh, it, 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 they did love that 3 tight end set.
5: Uh, but I think that neither uh, – anyway, I think that neither of the two guys that the Grizz have sort of behind Grossman have progressed to the point where they're on Pickering's level. So gotcha. in that case, I think there's a little bit of an advantage for Montana State there as well.
0: Yeah, interesting. Okay, last position group on offense. We'll talk about the receivers. The Cats, the main guys are going to be playing on Saturday are Ravi Alston, who's a D3 transfer from – uh, St. John's, he was really uh, productive early. Hasn't got a ton of opportunities lately. Clevan Thomas uh, is their inside guy. He's a transfer from Kentucky. Taco Dowler, the former Gatorade player of the year out of Billings West, who's been a stud as a freshman there for the Cats. Uh, he will also play in the slot. And then Coy Steele might get some burn, too. He was their starting slot last year. Blew out his knee midway through the year. Didn't make it back until the last uh, couple weeks. Hasn't got a ton of reps yet, but he's a good player, too. And then Willie Patterson's been their go-to guy on the outside. Uh, the Cats don't play a ton. Or, they don't really rotate their outside guys. Willie Patterson and Ravi Olsen are basically in the game all the time. They do rotate that slot a little bit with Cleveland Thomas and Taco Dowler. Thomas was also out for a little while with an eligibility issue. Um, but those guys, uh, all been solid, pretty nondescript. That's what happens when you run the ball for fucking 350 yards a game. So uh, that's part of it. Uh, on the Grizz side... Sort of similar situation as what we were talking about with Grossman. Great talent. Uh, I think sometimes they've been a little underutilized. Your headliners are, are Mitch Roberts, uh, the senior out of Missoula Sentinel. Junior Bergen and Keelan White have sort of shared reps at the the slot. And I think Keelan White's good, but I think that's been a little bit of a, a controversy because Junior Bergen is just so clearly uh, a, an elite level of talent. And uh, then at the other outside spot, it's been Aaron Fonts and and Ryan Simpson. And Emily Flowers. Emily Flowers, right. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, all all talented guys that you were just thinking in your head, like why don't those guys get the ball more? But there's only so many, you know, touches to go around. So where where are we at with the the receivers?
5: Yeah, by the time this podcast releases, uh, my piece on the matchup between the Gears yes. receivers and the Montana State secondary will be out in the wild. So maybe you'll have have read that and have that context there. And it is really difficult to um sort of pinpoint why. None of the Grizz receivers have really developed this year, and I I really can't engage that much with that question in that piece because it's such a deep question. Right. Is it the play calling? Is it been the quarterback situation? Is it just something that's happened, or have the receivers actually not taken a step forward this year? Right. And, you know, there's no—
0: I mean, there was like a month where they weren't even—they were like an irrelevant part of the team because Idaho locked them up. Yep. They were— they had a game plan to not really spread it out that much against Sac State, and then Lucas Johnson went down, so then they really batted down the hatches. And then against Weber, they didn't do it, and they had two first downs on the whole say a half, so there was no balls to be distributed to anybody because it was just like run for a yard, run for a yard, Chris Brown take a third and eight sack, punt, over and over and over
3: again.
5: Right, um, and you look at it, and there's just been no development there from year to year. I mean, Mitch Roberts is what he has been, which he's a solid guy. He's a solid receiver. Um, You know he's going to make the catch when he gets the ball, but he's he's not taking the top off the defense. He's not out sprinting everybody. He's not getting a ton of separation a lot of the time. None of the young guys have really taken a step forward, and I'm talking mostly about Aaron Fonts. Keelan White there. Sure. Uh none of those guys have broken out and really become the go to guy. I mean, the grids don't have an all conference wide receiver this year. I don't you know, Mitch and, Roberts might get honorable mention, but and
0: that's and that's why it is such a dichotomy because you look at Fonce's talent right. and you look at Bergen's talent and, and you look at even Keelan White's talent and you're like, Well, that guy should just have more production. There's just not a lot of production to go around. So it is it's a very interesting question to analyze.
5: Yeah, and then you compare and contrast that with Montana State and Montana State has got the built-in excuse kind of right because we know what they want to do on offense, We're s- sort of, you know, what, what do the Grizz want to do on offense? What's their go-to thing to do? I mean, I think they would love if it was the power run game like Montana State, but it's not really or it hasn't been until the last two weeks. Um, So the Montana State receivers sort of had that built-in excuse, but I think, you know, Willie Patterson's taken a little bit of the step up this year that we sort sure. of haven't seen Mitch Roberts take. Yep. They went out and got the two transfers in Cleveland Thomas and Ravi Alston, um, to sort of fix, fix that. And the Grizz just kept rolling with what they had in the program. It's difficult, but I think the Montana State guys do what they're asked to do a little bit better, which is when we take shots downfield, you're going to have one-on-one coverage, right, yeah. because we, we're going to force teams to stack the box. You've got to win your one-on-one matchup, right, whether that's going over the top of the guy or beating him deep. And I, mean, I think they do that a little bit better than the Grizz guys. I
0: think that Junior Bergen's the most talented wide receiver in this game. I think that Mitch Roberts is the steadiest wide receiver in this game, but Willie Patterson is the uh, the most productive. most productive. Yeah. I mean, he's got 8 touchdowns this year and uh he's made some highlight reel catches. I also think he's he's the guy that has the sense of the moment the best. I mean, he's he's the biggest baller so to speak. And uh, then I think that the fact that those transfer guys came in and bought into a role really helps. Like Grady Alston – He's a big body on the outside who can go get that 50-50 ball, but he's also 6'3", 2'15", and that's what helps seal the perimeter, right. and that's why their run game's good. So same thing with Cleveland Thomas. Like, Cleveland Thomas is good out of the slot. Taco Dallas is great out of the slot. Cleveland Thomas is a starter out of the slot, though, because he's willing to bang heads. He's willing to block, and that's what gets those gash plays rolling. Big Sky Breakdown, skydonsportsmt.com, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We are intentionally skipping over the last offensive position because we're <laughs> going to come back to that. That'll be the finale. Uh, when we talk about the quarterbacks. Let's talk about uh, the defense. Uh, On the defensive line, again, they run completely different schemes. So uh, we're going to kind of just break this down based on uh, not necessarily position by position, but sort of like elements of it. Uh, So we'll talk about the interior first, because the Grizz play basically two interior guys, Alex Gubner and Eli Alford. They both uh, rotate there at the nose. And then their end guys – can sometimes be kind of like uh, five technique. Yep. Sometimes they're like real edge guys. Sometimes they're dropping into zone blitzes and stuff like that. And so um, the Grizz edge guys – or the Grizz defensive ends, I should say, their main edge guy is Patrick O'Connell. And, and he's the answer to the edge par- portion of this question. He's the best edge in the country uh, if he's healthy. Although uh, I do think that Brody Greeby from Montana State is, is coming – but oh, he's a sophomore, and O'Connell's a senior, and O'Connell's superior talent to pretty much everybody in the league. Um, those defensive end spots for Montana, it's been a, a primary rotation of Diari Todd, Jacob McGowren, um Hank Noose has gotten some time in there as well.
5: Cale Edwards Kale is in Ed- there.
0: Cale Edwards has gotten a little rotation there. And then the interior guys, Alex Gubner and uh, Eli Alford. And for the Cats – at ends, it's been Brody Greenby and Kevin Th- Kenneth Iden who have been a good pair there at the one-end spot. And then at the rush-end spot, Ben Seymour and Hunter Parsons have been the, the main guys. And then inside, Sebastian Valdez at one of the tackle spots, and then Blake Schmidt at the nose, and then Paul Brott has been rotating in at tackle, and Blake Heel has been rotating in at nose. Um, I think Brody Greenby's the best end out of those guys. Uh, I think Kenneth Iden's a really good spot pass rusher. I think all of the Grizz guys do what they're told and that then equals not necessarily a lot of production, but I do think they're really tough and good athletes on the inside though. That's, I think that's, this is actually the biggest debate because I actually think the two most talented inside guys in the conference are Alex Gubner and Sebastian Valdez. They play different positions, but uh, if you were making a, a four man front, those two guys are absolutely the starters. And I think Greeby's another one. And then maybe it's a whole uh, rotation on the other side, but I think the interior guys, it's one or the other. I think they're both excellent.
5: Yeah, I think there's so much talent there when we're talking about the defensive tackles, and it is a little bit different what they're asked to do. I mean, the Grizz do so much stuff taking advantage of Alex Gubner's, mostly his athleticism. I mean, he's a big guy, but what makes him special is just the speed at that size, right? (laughs) And the athleticism. He's got
0: stupid speed for how big he is.
5: And he's got the ball skills, too, so you can drop him into a zone blitz. I mean, they run so many stunts with him coming around the outside, and then he's the primary pass rusher, and he also does the primary job of that nose tackle spot so well, which is taking up blockers and all the linebackers anytime you talk to them. They'll say our guys, Gubner and Eli Alford, are, are a huge part of the reason of why we're so good. I can't talk so much about Sebastian Valdez because I haven't just seen him as much, but it seems like he's more of... The pure disruptive defensive tackle inside, right, breaking down the pocket, trying to get that interior pressure.
0: And so much again of what the Grizz do defensively, it's just a, it's a dance, and that's what they they want it to be. Um, it's so hard to say who would have. We're basically just talking about the personnel here because the defensive scheme is completely different, right? Like, I think that Diary Todd is better at the what he plays in Montana's defense than Brody Grimby would be, but Brody Grimby a better traditional defensive end. So kind of a coin flip there, but I think that we can agree that the two best interior guys are, are Valdez and uh, Governor. Uh, let's talk linebackers. Um, Callahan O'Reilly, captain, three year starter for the Bobcats, and inside linebacker. He's been uh, the primary guy there on the inside next to Nolan Askelson, Daniel Yulekepa was the other interior guy, but he's been out the last couple weeks. Don't know if he'll be back or not. Uh, And then they only play the two linebackers there at Montana State because they primarily play a nickel. The Grizz, uh, they play three linebackers. O'Connell's their rush. He's the best one out of the bunch. Marcus Wellnell, though, has put up All-American-type stats uh, so far this year. I think he's second in the league in tackles for loss, and uh, he's second-leading tackler on the Montana Grizz period. And then Levi Janicero has really emerged as a great player for the Grizz as well. He's had double-digit tackles three games in a row. And uh, the guys behind them, too, have made plays. I mean, Tyler Flink has had splash moments at times this year. Uh, Ryan Tyrrell's played some snaps. Michael Matthews has played some snaps. So the Grizz certainly have the depth advantage of linebacker, absolutely. But I also think they have the personnel advantage as well, and I think that that's nothing new. I mean, the Grizz have been linebacker U for 25-plus years I do think Callahan O'Reilly is a great player. I think he's going to be an all-conference guy. He was a second-team all-conference guy last year, and uh, he leads the big sky in takeaways, forced this year with seven of them. Great playmaker. He's the one guy that I think would, would start on the Grizz, but yep. I think that the other guys are – are. I mean, I, I think that Patrick O'Connell and Marcus Wellnell are two of the best linebackers in the country, and I think that if Levi Janakero didn't play with those two guys, he would be one of the best linebackers in the conference. He still is. He just happens to be the third-best linebacker on his team.
5: Yeah, well, I think Callahan O'Reilly would start for the Grizz. I think he's a good player, and I think he's probably one of the players to watch in this game because, as you mentioned, he's the guy who's been making the plays for the Montana State defense. And those for sure. those big plays, those takeaways are going to be probably what decide this game.
0: And and just the fact that he is a third-generation Bozeman guy. Yep. You know, born in Bozeman, grew up in Bozeman. I mean, the, the commercial he's got with the Ridge Athletic Club is just perfect because I used to work at the Ridge. I remember Cal Calhoun Riley coming in there starting to lift weights when he was like 12. And you're like, is this kid going to burn out? And then you're like, oh, no. No. That kid's going to be the man, and he has been the man. So it's, it just means so much to him, his last game at Bobcat Stadium against the Grizz.
5: Well, in the other narrative parts of his story, right, where he's the heir apparent to Troy Anderson, and he was right. playing next to Troy you know, last year, and he was the guy who was coming up. It's just such a great story. I think he's a great player. But what I'm saying is if the Bobcats had those three guys that the Grizz had on their team— well, they would have to change their defensive scheme to get all three of them on the field, right? That's how good the Grizz linebacking yeah, right. starters are. Uh, you know, I think we could do this exercise against any team in the country, and that's just where Montana's checking the box is having an advantage at linebacker because O'Connell and Wellnell are so crucial to just forming the backbone of what they do and not even forming the backbone, but just like, bringing the attitude of what they do, right, of that entire defense, just having those two guys, yeah. having them both be able to rush the passer, having them both flying around the field, so crucial to just creating the atmosphere of what the Grizz do.
0: The other cool part when you analyze the linebackers is that all these guys are Montanans. I mean, Kyle O'Reilly's a Bozeman guy. Nolan Askelson's from Billings Senior. Alex Johnson, who might get some reps, he's out of Helena for the Cats. And then, of course, Marcus Weldell's from Helena Capital. Uh, Patrick O'Connell from Kalispell Glacier. Levi Carroll from Missoula Big Sky. Tyler Flink from Missoula Big Sky. Ryan Tiro from Missoula Loyola. So, I mean, Michael Matthews is basically the only linebacker that could get a snap in this game that's not from Montana. So uh, just indicative of the, the the talent that the state produces, particularly at that position. Let's look at the secondaries. Uh, the nickel spot, both these teams play a true nickel. Yep, Tyo Cotta's that guy uh, for the Cats. Trajan Cotton's that guy for the Grizz. Trezor Cotton's been really good the last month. I actually think he's been sort of an an unsung uh, stud for the Grizz defense. Uh, and Okada, though, I mean, more than even just his ability to make plays and be tough and, and, you know, he's undersized, but he doesn't play like it. It's his leadership, man. I mean, he he's the guy that is the captain on the field for the Cats. He tells everybody what to do. We get him in the press conference all the time because – it doesn't even matter if it's about a stat or a highlight. The guy's just going to explain it to you better than anybody else. He's got a great football IQ. We love on Cotton. We think he's a great uh, player and a really good kid, but uh, it's got to be Okada at the nickel spot.
5: Yeah, that's that's right, and for all the reasons that you said. I mean, he's one who's – it's easy to tell when you're talking with him, when you're meeting him. Uh, he's just he's – he's got it, right? And he, he's a good player, too. He is undersized, but he's willing – uh, you know, he's he's thick, he's built, he's sure. willing to get in the box, he's willing to be physical.
0: I know Bobby Houck loves him too, <laughs> which is so funny. All right, let's talk about the, uh, the guys in, on the back end. The primary Grizz corners uh, have emerged as Justin Ford, a returning All-American, former transfer from Louisville, Corbin Walker, who's a, a, in his second year as a starter, as a sophomore, and then Jaden Dotson, who's a grad transfer from Idaho State. Uh, and then uh, for the Cats, the corners – James Campbell, who's a former converted wide receiver, great story, a kid that came from Florida and stuck it out and got to the, the end of his career here as a fifth-year senior. Simeon Woodard, Simeon, excuse me, he he, may, he asked me specifically to make sure we pronounced his name right this year. It's Simeon Woodard. as uh, The cor- the corner on the other side there uh, for the Cats and then their backups. Tyrell Thomas, who's a senior, backs up James Campbell, and then Drew Polidor, who's a transfer from the Air Force Academy, uh, backs up Woodard Uh I actually think Campbell's probably the fastest guy of any guy we're about to talk about. Okay, He's he's a true 4-4 guy. That's why they've kept him around, because they couldn't find a position for him. But they're like, well, this guy's the fastest guy on our team. We have to figure out a way to play him somewhere. And then they played him at corner, and he had uh, penchant for tackling for sure. And that's helped him. Tyrell Thomas is a guy that has uh, a legacy in this game. He broke up the fourth down pass to win the Kickers game in 2018 in Bozeman when he was a true freshman. One of the great highlights because he broke it up and he just got up and kept on running. That's the only time in my life I broke media procedure. Usually, you got to ask the sports info guys to bring this guy to the press conference. I was like, I don't care. I won't ask this kid one question. We gotta just ask him right now. How do you feel on the field? And he, his eyes were the biggest saucers. And, uh, and I, so he's he's a guy that's played in this game, and I think that helps you in this game. And I think Simeon Woodard Simeon Woodard is a good player, and he was great as a freshman a year ago. That said, I don't think this is even close. I think it's the Grizz corners all day because I think that Justin Ford is the best corner in the league, and I think that Corbin Walker is a a good corner as well. And and Jaden Dawson's a guy who's been an all-league player in the Big Sky Conference, and he's the third guy there for the Grizz.
5: Yeah, I think that's right. I think there are – man, I would take the Grizz corners in this matchup. I'm not sure the Grizz corners are – playing at quite the same level as they hit last year and That's i know true. it's easy to true. say that about justin ford because he's not putting up the ridiculous stats but nobody was expecting him to. i mean if you were expecting him to put up those stats again this year you, you don't really understand the game and and how it's going <laughs> right. to work justin ford's an nfl prospect for a reason though he's big he's physical uh he's fast enough he's got a great nose for the ball i think the narrative about Team staying away from him is a little bit overblown. I
0: agree. We've actually see, seen a few teams attack him. I mean, Weber State. Weber State
5: him. went after him with Ty McPherson. Yeah. Um, Idaho State did a little a, a little, little bit, bit with Zav- Xavier, Xavier Guillory. Guillory. Yeah. So I think that's not quite as large a narrative as it's been made out to be. But he is that type of guy, right? He's that guy where the quarterback and the offensive coordinator are always thinking about where he is on the field, who he's lined up against if they're moving him around at all, which they don't do a lot, um, but he's that kind of guy. Corbin Walker, so good, so fast. On the other side, we saw a little bit of his weakness against Idaho when they went after him with Hayden Hatton, the physical guy, and I I don't think Jaden Dawson has been quite at his top level either this season because I saw him that all-conference season at Idaho State, and he was really good. He was he was more of a playmaker uh, back then, and I think he's the one that, that teams can attack a little bit when they're on the field. But I mean, that's just picking nits, right? I think all three of those guys are, are really good. Um, and as for Montana State, that's been sort of the weak spot of their defense this year. You can get after them deep a little bit. You can attack them through the air.
0: Yeah, I think part of it's been adjusted to the new scheme. I think that there's the, the thing that's the most different about Willie Matt Garza as uh, compared to Freddie Banks is it's similar in its, its base, but they're playing a lot more man, leaving those guys on an island. But they also play with a, a cushion when they're playing man. It's it's sort of weird. I don't really – I still have not been able to figure it out. Uh, so I do think advantage Grizz there uh, at corners. And I think that uh, – I think Justin Ford is the, the best corner in this game. And then at safety, you got Nash Vouch, uh, Garrett Graves, and Robbie Houck have been the primary guys for the Grizzlies. And uh, Rylan Ort, after his reemergence after a suspension, has become the main guy at strong safety for the Cats. And then Jeffrey Manning has been the main guy at free safety uh, for the Cats – Um, I think that Manning was a perfect center fielder a year ago when you had Troy Anderson to roam the middle of the field, and I think that uh, their defense was just a lot different last year. I mean, Trey Webb's an NFL guy there at strong safety as well for the Cats last year too, so I think Manning had a lot of guys helping him around him. I don't know the way his role's evolved at free safety. I think he's been exploited a little more. I think he still is good at things he was good at last year. I think teams are just attacking a little more because they don't have to worry about NFL guys all around him. And I think Ort being back helps the Cats for sure because he's just a, a much much more experienced and smart player there at Strong Safety than the guys that they had playing uh, before him. Uh, but for the Grizz, I mean, I, th- I think that – actually, I think Nash Fouch is one of the most underrated guys. I think he's played really well this year. And uh, Graves is just a solid dude, and uh, Robbie Houck is, is the all-time leading tackler in the history of, of Montana. So I think it's advantage Grizz as well, uh, there as well.
5: Yeah, and again, you got to evaluate based on what they're asking these guys to do, especially with Robbie Houck, right? He's got the most unique role in that defense just coming downhill and, and run-fitting, um, and he does it so well. And and Fausch and and Garrett Graves, I mean, these are guys who we've watched for, for years, Colter's spring ball, fall camp. We're like, man, these guys can run. They look like they can hit. These are guys who should be good players on the back end for Montana. I think this year they've both hit that level where they're, at least solid guys back there. You're not worried about them. They can make some plays. I don't know a ton about the Cats guys. I mean, you saw Jeffrey Manning, but I haven't seen Rylan Ort basically play at all this year because he just came back. Yeah, he's only played two games. Is, is he back to the level...
0: No, he's been rusty. Yeah, he, he shows flashes. He had like he had this great trigger where he like he he saw a, the back bounce it outside and and he came downhill and got a tackle for loss and you're like oh damn like they haven't had that right. Uh, but then he's also kind of got caught up in coverage and stuff and. I mean, it's totally expected, not playing for a couple months and then getting thrown into the action.
5: But. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, and he's not coming back from an injury because it was a suspension, right. and you're like, well, he should just be able to fit back in. But that that's sort of a naive take. It's going to take some time, and I would, wouldn't be surprised if that was still the case for him this week.
0: Well, also, like, you get thrown in the, to the – to wolves played at 7000 feet altitude in northern right. at, at northern Arizona against a team that has no intention of running the ball whatsoever. They're just going to try to throw for a million yards and and make you run up and down the field. So I think advantage grizz there uh specialists quickly before we uh talk some quarterbacks. Uh the grizz kicking game has been terrible. I can I seriously can't believe it. Uh, you just heard from Ty Gregorak who coached for Bobby Houck for 7 years and we were in agreement like we never thought we would see the day where the Grizz were 50% on field goals and had missed five extra points. They've gotten at least five, if not six, kicks blocked, maybe seven. They had a kick that was blocked go in against Weaver State, but they've had close to, if not exactly, half a dozen kicks blocked. And uh, I, I and also just Nico Ramos has been just uh, very average at best uh, as kicker for the, uh, the Grizz. Blake Lesnar has not been as good as he was as a freshman. He was lights out as a freshman for the uh, the cats but he's still been good and uh, he's been above average Uh, so I think that the the kicking nod goes to the cats and then for the punters Bryce Layton was tremendous as a freshman last year he's been pretty good this year and I I don't know if it's necessarily been lights out but he's been pretty good and uh, Patrick Rohrbach though for the Grizz have been has been lights out he's been uh, awesome and he's been a a freshman that has made everybody forget that Brian Buscini was an all-american a year ago so uh, what do you think of this specialist comparison?
5: Yeah, when you look at the stats, Nico Ramos has been okay compared to Blake Lesnar. I mean, he's 7 of 10, so 70%, that's okay. He's got the long of 46, which, again, that's pretty good. It's just the way he's doing it, there's no confidence there. They've had the kicks blocked. As you mentioned, one of those makes on a field goal was the one against Weber State that was partially blocked and still got over. He, like, slipped and fell, kicking an extra point last week uh, and got that one through, It's just been, it's just, it just feels shaky. Even if the stats say he's been pretty okay, and even if the stats say Glessner's only been a little bit better than he is this year, I still think the difference in confidence between that the Cats will have in Blake Glessner and that everybody uh, who's watching the game for the Grizz will have in Nico Ramos is such a huge difference. So I think there's an advantage for the Cats there. As far as the punting goes, I think both of these guys are really good. Uh, But Patrick Rohrbach's been the best punter in the league, and Bryce Layton is just, you know, a step or two below that.
0: And when it comes to the returners, uh, Taco Daller had the first punt return for a touchdown by a cat since 2013. That actually came in the cat Grizz game in Bozeman. Sean Johnson took one back to the house but the Grizz, won that game. Taco Daller housed one against uh, Moorhead state. They've also had a kick return for a touchdown. Markey Johnson had one for a touchdown against Oregon state. Both those guys have been good in the return game to actually really good in the return game. And I think that's been a boost Montana State was not very good in the return game last year. They actually were never really that good in the return game under Jeff Choate or into Brett Vegan's first year, which was weird because Choate had such a uh, acumen for special teams. Part of it's because they were playing a lot of their best athletes covering kicks instead of returning kicks. You know, like Travis Johnson and Kevin Cassis were running down on kickoff instead of returning kicks because Choate wanted to give them an NFL shot, and uh, it worked out because they both of them made it to the NFL, but uh, regards it's been an upgrade for the Cats at returner. Taco Daller and Marquis Johnson have both been good uh, to really good. The Grizz, though, have uh, arguably the greatest kicker returner in the history of the Big Sky Conference, and they have a guy who's lightning in the bottle returning punts in Junior Bergen uh, when he's healthy. Keila White's also been okay returning punts, and uh, Garrett Graves has even been great returning kicks and punts uh, during his time, but Malik Flowers is, uh, is the star when you talk about the returners in this uh, in this debate.
5: Yeah, same thing as the punters, right? I think the Cats guys are really good. I think when you compare them to a lot of teams, the Cats have an advantage uh, with Taco Dollar back returning punts, Marquis Johnson back returning kicks. They've been really good. They've been explosive. You know, I think both of those guys could certainly make a big play in this game on Saturday, but then Montana's guys are just still another step above that. I mean, Malik Flowers, what can you say about him? I mean, he's, like, he's the perfect kick returner because he's just going to hit the crease and he's just going to go and he's got the sports car speed and he's he's got the instincts there. And and Junior Bergen's sort of the same way as a punt returner. He's not the same type of player and that's that's fine because that's not what you want in your punt returner. But he's gonna make guys miss in, in tight quarters. He's got the instincts back there of where guys are coming from, where to hit the hole. Uh both of those guys are really, really good. And then the other thing, you know, I think all 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 of these guys are dangerous returners. Montana's coverage teams have just been so much better this year. So when we're for talking sure. about it, that's something that I really want to watch. I think that
0: the units have been significantly better, both in the coverage and the blocking for the kicker returns too.
5: Right. So that's definitely something to watch here because I think that matches up really well. Montana's got the guys, and Montana State's coverage teams have been a little bit shaky this year. So while I think that if we're just evaluating the return guys, Montana State's guys are only a couple steps below Flowers and Bergen, I think that that could potentially be a big advantage for Montana on Saturday.
0: All right, last uh, position to debate, it's quarterbacks. I think Tommy Millat's most famous person in this game. Lucas Johnson might be the most important person in this game. Um, they are both absolutely pivotal to what their teams do on offense, uh, and I, I don't really know how to really dissect who has the, the advantage here. Tommy Watts the best running quarterback in the league, maybe in the country. He's also sort of just like the face of the program and uh, he's got the Butte roots and the Oshucks personality and all that stuff. One of the most famous people in Montana right now probably. Uh Lucas Johnson though is a 7th year senior and he has been uh, the the litmus test for the Grizz offense. When he plays they're great or not I shouldn't even say great, but at least good and sometimes great. And when he doesn't play they're 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 terrible. They're awful. So Both these guys really, really uh, important uh, for their teams.
5: Yeah, so many ways we could go with this one, Coulter. I I just want to start with Lucas Johnson, and it's like we saw him early in the year. He looked great. Um, The offense was humming along. It looked really good at, at times with Lucas Johnson under center. The question for me is just has he plateaued from that? Because the way he looked early in the year, you could tell his qualities, right? He's so good getting the right checks at the line, making the right decision on the RPOs that Montana was using to such great effect, right? He's he's one of the best that I've seen at just moving within the pocket and electing when to escape the pocket, when to take the hits. He, he's You can bring pressure on him, and that's fine. He's a guy who I feel like will always make the right decision when there's a guy in his face, whether that's to escape the pocket, get rid of the ball, throw it away, escape and make something else happen. Really impressed with that. But I, they've never been able to hit the deep shots with him. I yeah. think that's a big weakness of the game there. And it, I, you just, it's been hard to see the development. And part of that is because of how disjointed the schedule has been um, and how disjointed his season has been. I think the injury came at the worst possible time in that Sacramento State game. And then yeah. you, you you miss the Weber State game, and then you're coming back, but you're not. You're playing two bad defenses. And he looked about as good as he did in the early part of the season where he, he was good, he was efficient, he was safe, he was cool, calm, collected, all of those things. But it's just, man, we've already seen that from you. Can you take it to another level in this next game? So that's my biggest question about Lucas Johnson. Is there something in there that we haven't seen yet?
0: And how does he handle the environment? How does he handle his first rivalry game? But there's a similar deal for Tommy Malott, because Tommy Malott loves to feel out the action. I just don't know if he can feel it out against the Grizz, because all of a sudden you're just going to be buried if you feel it out against Montana. So. That's interesting dynamic. And then the other factor here is that uh, the Cats got two stud quarterbacks. Yeah. Brett Vegan said Sean Chambers is going to play. Bobby Houck does not think Sean Chambers is going to play. That could be a, f- a factor as well because Chambers, when healthy, is a, a dominant physical player.
5: Yeah, and that could just be the biggest X factor in the game is having that ability to bring Sean Chambers on and just you know letting him dominate the game in that way. I mean, we know what the Bobcats are going to do with these quarterbacks, right? It's going to be... So much read option and just having them keep it and go around the edge and make something happen. Having two guys who can do that is better than having one guy who can do that. And and having somebody else who you can switch to depending on things are going is so big. And, and yeah, I mean, Sean Chambers is the guy where it's just like if you put him one-on-one with any of the Grizz guys on defense, he's the guy who's going to have the best chance. It's interesting that we're debating so much of the mental side of this with the quarterbacks, right? Because that's the position where you take on so much of the mental burden of the game. We don't know how these guys are going to react, right? Tommy Mallott has not played quarterback in one of these at Bobcat Stadium. Lucas Johnson obviously hasn't. Sean Chambers obviously hasn't. We don't know how these guys are going to react to the atmosphere, the emotion, uh, what you said about Tommy Mallott needing to feel out the game. I wonder if the best thing for Montana State would be to just, you know, have a couple punts on the first couple possessions, right, so that you're not getting behind the eight ball. I mean, I'm reminded of that game against Weber State where he threw the interception on the first possession and things really could have snowballed on Montana State from there. But just get him into the game, get a couple of first downs. Um, And so much of what the Bobcats do with those two quarterbacks is, is grinding down the defense, right? If you get stopped on the first couple drives, well, that's okay. Those guys are going to run another thirty times this game between them.
0: SkylineSportsMT.com. Andrew Houghton joining us on this Big Sky breakdown. It's a good one. Thanks for listening all the way through. And uh, Andrew, thank you so much for being here. We'll have full coverage for you SkylineSportsMT.com. Keep on reading those matchup features and uh, looking forward to the game. We got a couple senior profiles coming up later on this week too. A couple more podcasts and, of course, full coverage of all the action live from Bozeman. So keep it tuned. SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports every day, every season.
5: Vertraue und